Hello, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. Hope you're doing well. You know, it's always fascinating for me when I hear people repeat back to me what they think I've said at some point. And the first caller is an example of that. He wants to talk about the question of forgiveness. And he has an interpretation of what I've said about forgiveness, which I had to correct. But the issue that he was facing is that his wife, well, he discovered that his wife was having an emotional affair with his best friend sometime in the past, and it still tortures him to this day. And we had a really, really great conversation about forgiveness and time and how easy it is to get wedded to negativity, to hostility. Now, the second caller is tragically getting a divorce. These are actually people I met in the flesh. And years before, he'd married a woman who had already betrayed him once with another man, and then kind of happened again. And he wanted to know how, why, how did he end up in the situation where he was betrayed again at the cost of his marriage? And again, the best predictor of future behavior is relevant past behavior, and it's something we often forget. And the reasons why, I think, became pretty clear during the course of this call. Now, the third caller is stuck in an arts community that is stuffed to the gills with lefties. And he's afraid to talk about his political beliefs. He's afraid to talk about his philosophical positions because he's afraid of repercussions or blowback from leftists. Not something which we can ignore these days, or if we ignore it, we ignore it at our potential peril. And I have advice for him. Oh, I was there. I was there for many a year. And I have some advice for him that whether you're an artist or not, you really, really need to listen to. So thanks so much for listening. Please don't forget. Come out and support the show. We need you so much, so much, so much at freedomainradio.com slash donate. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Stefan Molyneux and use our affiliate link at fdrurl.com slash Amazon. All right. Well, up first today, we have Darren. Darren wrote in and said, how does forgiveness provide relief to the person doing the forgiving? Your definition of forgiveness resonated very strongly with me. It made more sense than any other definition I've heard. To paraphrase my understanding of what you said, quote, receiving restitution to the extent that you can give the same level of trust you gave before, end quote. But it doesn't relieve the pain and damage that was done. It seems only to give relief to the perpetrator. The background to this question is that 15 years ago, my wife told me that she had been having an emotional affair with my then best friend, and that it had been going on and off for three years prior. It never got physical, and I do believe that. I was devastated emotionally for quite some time after that. Instinctively, I knew that I needed her to really understand the damage that she had done to me if we were going to have any future. It took a long time, but we eventually worked through the issues to the point where she understood how her choices had impacted me. It was very hard work for both of us, and if I had known beforehand that the road was going to be so difficult, I'd have just cut my losses and moved on at the time. So I'm at the point where my wife has worked hard to provide me with the restitution I required, and I do trust her again. But even after all this time, it still cuts me very deeply. That's from Darren. Oh, hey, Darren. How you doing? Hi, Stefan. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, let me just clarify before we sort of dive into the personal stuff. Um, yep. It's always interesting to me when I hear people say back what I said. So I'm going to just give the lowdown on forgiveness as uh, I see it. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk about your situation, if that's all right. Yep. So 
forgiveness is something that is not willed by the victim but earned by the transgressor. So you wrong someone and you owe them not just an apology but a commitment to not do the wrong again. You owe them uh, a, a deep examination of yourself and your psyche and your history to figure out why you did something that was so wrong. And we're talking about big wrongs here, not sort of, you know, oops, I spilt my coffee on your pretty white sundress or something. Like we're talking about sort of big, important issues. And okay. to me, the being on the receiving end of wrongdoing is a passive. You can say to the person, what you did has really hurt me, what you did has really upset me, and then you sit there passively like a big, giant, resentful beanbag, and you wait for the other person to make you feel better because that's how you know if they get it. That's how you know if they really understand what they've done to hurt you. So it is a very passive thing to be in the recipient on the receiving end of wrongdoing. You sit there and you wait for the other person to make you feel better. Now, Restitution works like this. Restitution is when you are okay with the thing that happened. You don't, you're not glad that it happened. You're not still really upset that it happened. That's what restitution is. So the simple example is if I ride my scooter into your car and it costs you 500 bucks to get your dings fixed and it costs you another couple of hours of time and so on. Let's say we value your time at 50 bucks an hour uh, and then I pay you 650 bucks, like 500 bucks to repair and 50 bucks an hour for the three hours that you spent getting it repaired. Now, if I paid you $5 million, you'd be really happy that I ran my scooter into your car. If I didn't pay anything, you'd be really unhappy so you don't want to overpay and you don't want to underpay. You want to pay to the point where the person says, okay, I'm okay with it. I didn't make a lot of money of it or I didn't make a lot of, I'm not really happy that it happened, but I'm also not sad that it happened. And that's what restitution is. Now, restitution means, of course, restoring something to its prior state. With things like infidelity, betrayal, and so on, there can be enormous value out of these kinds of transgressions in a relationship. You can figure out why I'm in the relationship, why the other person didn't recognize my needs and preferences enough to the point where they were going to betray me to that extent. You can get a lot of self-knowledge. You can end up with greater knowledge of the other person and of your relationship. So that to me is, uh, is important. And so you can actually be better off after you have been betrayed. And that doesn't mean the relationship continues. That just means that you gain a great deal of self-knowledge from these kinds of catastrophes or these kinds of disasters or betrayals. So I think that's important. Now, the other thing is that forgiveness does not mean necessarily a continuation of the relationship, because the important thing in philosophy is the truth. It's not forgiveness or restitution. I mean, the truth is important. The truth may be that someone has betrayed you to the point where you are willing to forgive them, but not willing to trust them again. In other words, I forgive you for the past, but I'd rather start clean slate with a new person if it's a romantic relationship without all this baggage and so on. So forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean continuation. And also to let go of hurt and anger. This seems to be a big thing which we'll get into with regards to you, Darren, but to let go of hurt and anger uh, seems to be the important thing. I think Mark Twain said that, um, uh, uh, you know, rage or resentment or anger is kind of like a, an acid that does more damage to the vessel that holds it than the object it's poured on. I think 
I have some issues with that. I, I have a great deal of respect and praise for the emotion of of anger, not rage, right? Not destruction, but but anger is very, very healthy. It's the immune system of the psyche and keeps you safe, or it's designed to keep you safe and protected. So there are people who wronged me in my life, and I don't really think about them anymore, but neither do I continue a relationship with those people. Um, you know, maybe once every week or two, they'll cross my mind, but I don't, so I don't sort of hold on to all this anger and resentment and so on, because I have accepted Right. The, the, the purpose of anger is to say your self, your values, your identity has been violated and you need to be safe. Now, if you're in proximity with someone who has violated your values or your person, then either they need to never do that again or you need to not be around that person. That's you know, sort of to me. the So you can gain peace of mind by removing yourself from situations where your values are going to be fairly repetitively and maybe even relentlessly violated. So I would sort of put forgiveness as, yeah, it's something that needs to be active on the part of the person who wronged you. And the reason for that is that they need to work hard to figure out why they did the wrong to you, how it got that way, and they really, really need to work. And the way and the degree they work is the way in which you end up being able to feel more at peace with them. If they can get you to a place where you're like, okay, I'm okay that this happened. I'm okay that you had this emotional affair with another man. We're closer, we're deeper, we understand more about why we're together, we understand more about love and trust. And in a weird way, I'm kind of glad it happened. I'm not super happy that it happened, you know, like some massive cuck fest in a <laughs> 70s porn video or something, but I am okay that it happened. There's, I can see some real benefits. I wouldn't want it to happen again, but I'm okay that it did happen. You know, in the same way, if I run into your car with my scooter, you're okay that it happened, but you don't really want to have it happen again. So uh, I just really wanted to point that out. And this idea that, that you will forgiveness and that makes you feel better and you then stay in a relationship is something that could not be more invented by people who want to abuse you. This whole idea, well, you've got to, you're going to be eaten up and you're going to be upset and you're going to be sad and you're going to be angry. You're going to be stressed. It's going to eat you alive. So you've got to forgive the person and then continue to hang out with them regardless of what they do. That is a recipe for abuse. And that's invented by people, I think, who just want to keep on uh, crapping on your cornflakes. So I just really wanted to point that out at the beginning. Uh, and just, does that sort of accord with what you've heard or what you think? Uh, yeah, very much so. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's one of those things where, like, I don't forgive people. I, I never really have. I've, I've always, as you sort of pointed out, like, uh, I protect myself, I guess, and um, and so all the way through my life, if somebody consciously went out of their way to hurt me, uh, that was the end of that relationship, no matter what that relationship was. And uh, that was what was so hard with this one. When you've got you know young children and uh, and a marriage, it's um, it was the first time that I ever really sort of tried to sort of uh, work it through, I guess, and it was extremely difficult. Uh, it was something, as I say, uh, the process of going through the, like, well, it's as you say, it's not really restitution, uh, but it was the navel-gazing. I guess the one thing that I, I, I'm pretty righteous, I guess, in a lot, in my, whole, you know, my outlook uh, to life, and it was just one of these things where I never, ever thought I'd have to face that. It was sort of probably the one thing I never thought that I would ever have to face, and uh and it was it just absolutely blew me away. And also, um, do you and, mind? Uh, sorry to interrupt, but do you mind telling me a little bit more about this affair with your best friend? I mean, that's that's a double betrayal too, right? I mean, your your lover is, yeah. and your your wife and your best friend. That's uh, 
that's uh that's like the bookshelf of of spiky pain right bookends oh yeah no it was it was extremely difficult because i I don't uh well back then i didn't sort of really mix much i'm quite introverted so i'm sort of happy to be on my own so um it sort of meant that the the person that was closest to me as in my wife and and the person i would have gone and spoke to about it uh were both basically involved in uh, in doing this to me so how long did that go on for uh, well, I didn't know at all about it until basically it was um, like it was funny because uh, uh, but my wife and I started a business and the best friend actually came in and we met him actually. He he worked for us for quite some some years. And uh, and so uh, in, oh, and we knew wife, yeah. friend, business. <laughs> oh, my God. Did he run yeah. off with your kidney, too? And one of your children? Oh, it, it really oh. it was it's really bad. And it was. Um, it was funny because uh, one of my other staff members actually in the end uh, said, look, you've got to, you know, there's something wrong there. Um, you better look at it. And I laughed it off because my trust was so complete uh, in my wife, not in the not in the friend. I actually knew what his nature was and she did too, which surprised me uh, that she would actually You mean that he things. was a bit of a hound dog? Yes. Yeah, very much and so. And how long did and, they uh, have this affair for? Uh, I, I wrote down three years, but I actually talked to my wife about it again uh, just this week. Uh, it was only, it was, well, not only, it was 15 months, and uh, which was, for me, was when I was first told about it, I was told that it was, uh, I actually asked after after my, the staff member sort of said it to me, I, I went home and after about a week of uh, plucking up the courage to actually sort of ask the question, because it's quite a hard question to ask. I said, is there anything going on? And, uh, and my wife um said no that's a start and then about an hour or so later basically i came and said actually no i do have a um I've, you know i've had an attraction and um and so my response was oh attraction's okay i mean that's pretty natural uh, long as you don't act on it then you know that's I, I wouldn't you know i don't think there's anything wrong with that and then it was uh, sort of like a, a might have been hours or days later but or a day later or something that um Things just didn't start to make sense, so I was asked again, and basically then it was, uh, you know, we've we've actually expressed our, um, our admiration for each other and so on and so forth, and uh, and I so, thought it was sorry, like but they sorry to interrupt, but the it was a staff member at your business who told you, and then you went and asked. It wasn't anything volunteered by either your wife or your best friend. No, no. And why didn't they act on the affair? Uh, because of me, uh, which is sort of, which also pissed me right off, I've got to say, because uh, what actually happened, it sort of sounds funny to say that, but uh, what it, I, I, the, the reason that they went into the affair is because I, I am pretty, I guess, I, I come across as fairly unemotional, but, uh, and so my wife sort of felt bored, um, whatever, and basically, uh, with talking to this other guy and she was trying to help him through his issues as well, which I think is also, a, a, you know, one of those sort of things where things can get a bit dangerous, but I didn't see the danger at that stage. And, um, and so, yeah, they, sorry, I forgot, the, I forgot where we were going with that question, but. Um, Why didn't they, they act on their affair? Yeah, you say out yeah, of, sorry. out of concern for you, but out of concern for you, they shouldn't have pursued and shared and blah, blah, blah. Right. Exactly. Right. And what actually happened with that was, my wife convinced herself that as long as it didn't get physical, it wasn't an affair. So she deluded herself uh, to that to that extent. He also acted as though I'm protecting. Somehow in his own head, he thought he was doing the right thing by not letting it get physical, because in the, with other women that he'd done this to, it had gotten physical. And um, and you know, like people afterwards, you know, and actually before, and you. Wait, sorry, he'd. People, um... 
he'd uh, busted up marriages before by having affair with married affairs with married women. No, I don't know about any married women, but he certainly there was. Uh, we had like clients and things that where I'd sort of start to hear things that he'd actually, um, you know, had led on, uh, like it might be a secretary at their business or something like that. So it wasn't ever. Wait, I don't know. Led he, on what? He had slept with clients or what? Oh, he's. I don't even know if he slept with them. I think he used to get his uh, kick out of actually just leading women on and then feeling really, really good about how much they appreciated him. I think that was actually what his payback was. So I don't think it was even that physical for him. Uh, it just seemed as though these women, we had women that seemed to fall in love with him and then and then it was, he'd get out of it as fast as he could and then move was on to the he, next uh, very one. Was he good looking? No, not at all. No. it's um, and No, no, not at all. Uh, cause it's Fit. just, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Fit, intelligent. Uh, I guess if he's just uh, unavailable, then uh, it's supply and demand, right? Okay. Well, I think he was uh, he was intelligent, uh, but he was also troubled. And I think um, the women who tended to fall for him were women who liked to fix things, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, so yeah, he yeah, made it- yeah. Yeah, it's the inverse of Captain Savaho. It's like, oh, this guy, he's so sad, he's broken, but I can wrap him in my boobs, tie the knot behind his head and bring him fresh mother's milk of kindness and make him all whole again. <laughs> And so definitely with my wife, she thought that she was helping him through childhood issues that he had had. And uh, that's how it sort of had started. And so um, so they would actually share poetry and thoughts and all sorts of things, which my wife then stopped sharing with me, of course. And uh, so for that 15 months, uh, well, and whenever they would get together, like it never even got to the point of holding hands, you know, like it was literally just she was emotionally unavailable to me and emotionally available to him. But and, she, might, um, she might have been fantasizing about having sex with him while having sex with you, right? We don't know, right? Yeah. It, we, it, it, this is a, all a big gray area, right? I mean, it is, for sure, it is. not acting on it is better than acting on it, of course, right? But there's still a very gray area, which is um, the damage that you do to your relationship by having an emotional affair with someone else is huge, Right. As you know. Right. I mean, yeah. it's it's like diverting nine tenths of a river to someone else's farm. I mean, your own crops just kind of wither because they're not getting the right. And, and you get to bypass dealing with problems in your relationship by having this constant low grade sexual hum background going on in your brain. You don't actually end up dealing with issues in your own marriage because you're kind of distracted and, and this and that and the other. Yeah, and look, we had great times in in amongst that those fifteen months. It wasn't like it was ongoing all the time. I think what happened with them was that they would actually, they would get together, start talking about it, and then they would think, oh, we can't let me down, and so they would then say, okay, let's just be friends. And then I think it would get to the point where I, I call it drama, but I just feel it is out of boredom. You know, wanting something different. Uh, wanting something to do, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't. That's the one thing. That's the sorts of things I don't understand. And uh, it was uh, they'd, they'd be back together, t- telling each other how great they each other uh, and, the and was. If, and uh, these kinds of affairs, whether direct or indirect, arise out of uh, signals that that your wife is giving off. Right. It doesn't just yes, come out of yeah. nowhere. It's not like, well, I'm bored. So I think I'll st- I mean, women give off signals. I mean, I used to get yeah, uh, yeah. lots of female attention. I got married very happily married, and it all stopped. And uh, it's because I don't give out any signals. I don't really flirt. I don't like I don't do any of that stuff. So I don't get any. Yeah. Uh, you ha- you have to be putting the signals out uh, in order for this yes. stuff to to happen. And the, the other guy did. And um, I didn't think my wife did. Um, did you, uh, I, I did you fire tra- him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I'd fired him before that. And um, 
uh, like from the business, but still considered him a good close friend. I, I just couldn't afford to keep him in the business anymore. He was starting to take liberties in the business. And so, what do you mean? Um, what do you mean? Oh, I, I can't even think of what it was. Just little things like it might have been um, spending. Well, the one thing that really hurt me after I found out was that I was he would go off and and I wouldn't see him for the afternoon, and he was off having a you know uh, like meeting up with my wife. <laughs> you know, to actually. Okay, uh, hang on, talk. hang on. Okay, this is this laughing about stuff. I mean, I sorry, this is yeah. this is painful stuff. No, right? no, don't don't tell me like don't send me a message about how painful it is and then laugh about it. Right? That's just kind of disconcerting. So you're paying right. this guy to flirt like hell with your wife, and he's off yes. in the afternoon yeah. when he's supposed to be working for you. So you're actually paying him to flirt like hell with your wife. Yep, yep. And, what the and fuck? I, I'm the laughing this, because how the hell did this guy end up in your life? I, I, well, that's why I'm laughing because I, I felt like such a clown and an idiot when I found out. It was uh, that was actually one of the biggest things. I just felt like such an idiot that I didn't see it and that I and that I could be so blind to it. And um, and that it took a staff member who wasn't even that close to it to actually point it out to me. Like it was that was just like I felt like such an idiot. I can't I can't I can't look that that part of it as well was really really hard to deal with. Right. right. So it was um, so it was just the uh, but they were, they would use me as the excuse, like well, my wife would use sort of me as the excuse for the uh, for getting into the, um, like to actually go across into the and make contact again because I wasn't paying her attention, and um, and then they would use the excuse of not hurting me as as to when to to finish it. So I became, I guess, the patsy, uh, which also really really annoyed me. Like I thought. The thing that really bothered me with this whole thing, and look, from him, I didn't, I wouldn't have expected any different. And so, basically, I've, like, I, I, I hate him with an absolute loathing now. Like, it's, uh, you know, even after all these years, I just, uh, um, I got, I was at a point where I didn't know what I'd do if I ever saw him again. Like, I didn't know how I'd actually respond. Now I, I think I could see him, but um, I don't know. I don't know what I'd say. <laughs> Whereas I didn't didn't know what I would do previously, and uh, once again I'm laughing, but it's uh, it's just the uh, yeah it's that side of things was was ex- extremely difficult. But with my wife, the thing that really hurt me was that um, someone that makes a mistake, you can I think I could actually rationalise a mistake, and that's this is where I really get stuck with the whole forgiveness thing. I think I could actually do the definition of forgiveness. Uh, like an act, you know, the where you can understand a mistake and think that's not a problem, but a mistake is a one-off thing. After that, it becomes a choice. And uh, yeah, fifteen, 15 months, months is choice. not a mistake. No, no, and it it was um, so for me to deal with it. It was uh, I was dealing with um, the only thing that really made sense to me is that uh, is that my wife was deluding herself to the point where she was making up excuses for why it wasn't an affair. And that was, once again, when we started to work through it, it was a very difficult um, process to actually get her to even start to see that it was actually an affair. She could see that it was inappropriate, but uh, and she saw that pretty early on, but she would not see it as an affair for some weeks, I guess. It was. Uh, it did take quite some time. And so she, because she was so delusional about what she was actually doing, so... You know, she originally called it a friendship, and then then a probably an inappropriate friendship. But um, you know, and I've always sort of called it an affair. And uh, so she didn't. Sort of yeah, I get it. So she didn't tell you about it. She lied about it when you first uh, told her that you had some suspicions, and then she lied about it until you confronted her, and then she minimised it for quite some time, right? 
She minimised it uh, for about a week, I guess, where every day I would, well, I started looking then. I started looking for the little clues. And it's sort of a bit like that movie, The Sixth Sense, you know, like how at the end of the movie he's been dead the whole time. And it was a bit like that where you start to sort of think, wonder what happened on that day, why why the response to something happening was was so off kilter. And then I'd go and and check emails and things like that. And then I'd find, you know, correspondence where, you know, couldn't get me out of the house fast enough so that she could then sort of go and start to communicate um, electronically with uh, with the other guy. Wait, she wanted, she so, would like, she would like send you, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just, I feel like you could just yeah. keep talking about this stuff and I need to kind of understand what, what's going on. So she would send you out of the house so she could flirt with this guy electronically? Oh, look, look, the one that sort of really hurt me was uh, on my birthday. Like it was, um, like I had to go to I had to go to work, and so the work was sort of away from the house. But um, I would, I she was very non-committal on this particular birthday. It sort of sort of struck stuck with me because she's not normally like that, and so uh, she couldn't get me out of the house fast enough on my birthday. And then when I looked in hindsight back at it, and this is a few months later that I actually had then found out by that stage, I then looked at the times, and within 20 minutes, uh, there was poetry going back and forwards on the emails. So she, how did and, she, what did she say to get you out of the house on your birthday? Oh, nothing. It was just, um, it, it was just not a welcome environment. So I, it, like it, for me, it was okay. I, like, she didn't actually say anything. It was just that um, instead of actually making me feel good or anything like that, it was um, she, I think from memory, she sort of acted a bit grumpy, but I do remember it because normally birthdays are a big deal for her. Like, and, uh, and they're not so much for me, but I do remember that that was very, that was a very, very different response. Right. And, and um, you have, uh, you have kids, young kids at the time? Yes. At that stage, all our kids were under, t- like they were younger than teens. And what did she do to earn your trust back? Uh, well, it it took two years, and I, I think that this is um, – and it took two years of very hard work from her side. Uh, she uh, – well, after the first week where she could see that she didn't want to hurt me, and that's why she was uh, not giving me all the information. And then she'd also – well, she said oh, that she no, forgot. Oh, no, 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 Darren, 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 <laughs> Darren, Darren, Darren. <sighs> I can tell you, man to man, that is not why she didn't give you all the information. You see, here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. If she didn't want to hurt you, you know what you do? You don't have an emotional affair for a year and a half. Yes. Yeah. So the idea that she just didn't give you all the facts because she didn't want to hurt you? No. No, she didn't want you to have leverage, right? Yep, yep. Well, at that stage, she really didn't think that our relationship was going to finish. And um, Wait, and what she... do you mean was going to finish? I don't know what that means. It was well, over? Well, she didn't think it was – no, no, it was um, – Oh, she didn't think me, that you were going to leave her? No, because she didn't see it as as a as that big a deal at the time. She'd actually convinced herself that it was a little bit worse than just a friendship. And, um, you know, but in a, eventually – Did she call she you crazy see, for being upset? No, no, not at all. She was um, she was heartbroken at, at what had actually happened, and, uh, it, like, she was very, very remorseful right from the first day. What makes Very you think fearful. it didn't get physical? Uh, I, I really do believe that it was it, it, it was me. It was that uh, she... What do you mean it she's was you? Got, uh, that she, uh, her, I guess her loyalty to the marriage in that sort of sense, she could convince herself that it wasn't as bad as it was unless it got physical. And if it got physical, I don't think... She's actually deep down a, an 
honest person and it's sort of it, that's why the self-deception has to have played a big role in this and so she had a set of rules that were fine to continue on as long and for her an affair was black and white you either slept with somebody and that was an affair or you didn't and that wasn't an affair and so a lot of the discussions and arguments that we had were that you know inappropriate conduct is a gray area not a not a black and white area and it was it took a long long time for her to accept that that it was an affair and that the damage that she had done to my trust was um you know was as bad as as if she had slept with somebody did she and work she at the had, company too oh look maybe sort of like one day every couple of weeks so hardly at all so she knew when she was meeting with your best friend, that he was supposed to be at work and you were paying him to be at work, but she's like, no, no, come and come and meet with me. I can't recall, to be honest. I can't recall those sorts of. I don't think there was much of that, to be honest. I think a you, lot of hey, it was man, after attack. No, no, no. Yeah, you brought this up. Well, I, that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm repeating really, back to you what you yeah. said to me. Yeah, yeah. It's it, that I don't. That's think not there's much because of that. you're giving her the self-deception out. Yeah, yeah. This is not okay. self-deception. <laughs> self-deception yeah. is, I guess I haven't gained any weight. Maybe I look fine in these pants when you're muffin topping all over the place, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But if you're saying to your husband's employee, come and meet me while he's paying you to work, I don't know how this falls into self-deception. Yeah, that's true. I can't. That's, I that's can't, very proactive and that. very active things that harm you, not just emotionally, but financially. The provider yes. of your the provider of resources for your family was she working at the time? No. Okay. No. So the provider of the resources to your family, I assume your best friend was fairly key to your business, uh, and uh, so you're saying, oh yeah, okay. Well, the important thing is that my emotional needs get satisfied, my selfish needs get satisfied. So it might break my husband's heart and destroy his business, but mommy needs some affection. This is not yes. in the realm of yeah. self-deception. You understand? No, that's that's very very true. That's that's um, no, you've you've hit the nail on the head with that. It's um, the the selfishness of the act uh, blew me away. It, and children. Blew me away. And children. I'm going to engage yep. in an emotional affair that's going to harm my husband's business and 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 Darren cause a massive schism between my husband, who doesn't have many friends, is kind of an introvert, between my husband and his best. Friend, harm his business, harm his best friendship, harm my family, harm my children. For what? Yep. For what? That's that's what I never. I still. That's. I think the one thing I really cannot understand is why so much was on at risk on the table for such a small benefit. Like he is. He wasn't somebody that was ever going to stick around. He was – so why risk – No, it's say, attention, right? right? Look, there are yeah. – um, sorry to interrupt, but there, there are things that we need to all grow the hell up when it comes to. And one of them is sexual attention from the opposite sex. That's just something yep. – that that's there for, for dating. That's there for flirting. That, you know, that's there for boyfriend, girlfriend. You know, when you get engaged and you get married, you put that shit behind you. Yes. You know, yeah. when I was a baby, I'd take a shit in the street. Now I'm an adult. I don't really do that so much anymore. And when, <laughs> uh, you know, when I was younger, oh, your female attention was fantastic. It was a high. Now I'm an adult. I'm a married man. I'm a father. You put that shit behind you, right? Yes. Yeah. Because, because and the consequences of acting 
like a spoiled brat with a vagina, are so astonishingly grave, are so astonishingly destructive that you just don't do it. Yes, yeah. And so and she no was a child in charge of children, I would argue. Yeah. I mean, and that's sort of an insult to children, right? Um, well, well, she would actually, she would agree with you on that. Uh, she was, um, we met when she was 18 and I was 20 and, uh, and I was her second boyfriend and the first boyfriend really wasn't around for very long. So she had quite a sheltered childhood really. And, um, and she, even though she was in her late twenties when all this started and I don't, I, 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 I struggle seeing how can you be immature about that at that age, but, um, you know, she, sorry, she, she was how old when this started? Uh, late twenties, late twenties. So yeah, again, so you're giving you're giving circumstances. Well, you know, she only had one boyfriend before me. She wasn't that experienced. See, the moment I start giving her 100% ownership, you understand. You start fencing her around with defensive excuses. Yeah. I thought I would too, to be honest. And of no, course, of course, work. you do. I mean, yeah. this was the price you had to pay to stay in the marriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So the, but it, stop. It, it, Just it stop. Just stop it. And and the reason I want you to stop it is not only is it obvious and annoying, but more annoying for you than it is for me. But I want yeah. you to find a way to get closure because it still hurts, right? Yes, yeah. You know, you could have, um, you could have called in to talk to me about anything, but this is what you wanted to talk about. So I assume you didn't come with issue number 12, right? This is the big thing for you. That's right, yep, yep. Right. What was your relationship with your mom like? Or My mum was it was very close. Um, she died when I was twenty three. Um, so after after I met my wife, uh, she died of cancer. And um, but it was a very close relationship with my mother. Um, she yeah, it, it, like she sort of really did raise my, me and my sister um, largely. I guess uh, my father was a shift worker and really wasn't present much. And so yeah, it was a she actually. Well, I've looked at this as well because. Um, she had cancer also when when I was about eight or nine, and um, and she we lived in the country, and so she had to go to the city to get the treatment. So she was gone for an extended period, which is when my father then looked after us. And when she came back, she was so scared about um, what was going to happen that she then decided to instill in us um, like a I guess a, a sense of um, of not needing to rely on anybody to survive. And uh, so she came back a, a different person at that stage which was very confusing as a child. Right. And your mother knew your girlfriend for five years before she died? Uh, no, only, only three years. Three years, sorry. And yeah. what did your mother think of your girlfriend at the time? Uh, she loved her, absolutely loved her. Why? Uh, my wife is a really sweet person. Like She, she really is. And... Um, and she's uh, got very strong family values. She comes from a very strong, like she comes from an ethnic family where there's, uh, where they, you know, where the family values were very, very strong. Which and, ethnicity? Uh, it's a Central European, like German and Hungarian. Hmm. And, um, and the, so they, she came from a very, very tight family. And, um, and my mum, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely loved her. And what would your mother have said, do you think, if your mother had lived and had heard what your wife had done? 
I think that I think that what the, like the uh, I think that she would have basically sort of got got us both to sort of look at at, at what we what our roles were in it and uh, and then just try to sort of work through it. So I've I don't think that she would have asked us to do much more than what we did. Um, I don't think there would she have been would have, any wait, insights. Wait, 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 wait. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is this is the answer. I don't know if you're hearing what you're saying, but this is the answer. This is the answer. You have a so, daughter? Uh yeah. You have a son? No, just just daughters. Okay. A man hurts your daughter the way that your wife hurt you. She threatens his business, threatens his friendships, threatens the marriage. She drives him out of the home by being bitchy on his birthday so that she can exchange sweet nothings with his best friend. And what would you say and who would you say it to? Yeah, um, I've thought of this too. Um, so what uh, would you say and who would you say it to? I would I would be telling both of them that they need to do an awful lot of work and that uh, they've got to be 100% honest. And, and, no, no, um, no, that's terrible. It just comes from your mom. No, that's terrible. That's terrible. The person who's lying and the person who's cheating and the person who's destabilizing the marriage and threatening the business and threatening one of her husband's few friends, um, that is the person who needs to be taken out of the metaphorical woodshed, right? That's the person who is doing wrong. It's not a both of you. Oh yeah, no, no, I didn't wear any of the any of the problems. It's um, like I didn't. I didn't no, wear no, no, the no, choices. stop, stop, stop! I need you to slow down because you're just jumping right back in with more avoidance. Yep. <laughs> All right, and there's the laugh. That's the avoidance again, right? The person who lied, the person who threatened the business, the person who threatened the friendships, the person who threatened the marriage. The person who was minimizing, the person who never fessed up and never owned up. Look, she could have done so many things to make this better. She could have sat down with you and talked about it. She could even have said, I'm upset about something and I need to go and see a therapist. And she could have gone to a therapist to work it out. The therapist could have supported her in telling you what the hell was going on, right? Yeah. Your friend could have come to you. I mean, you were very isolated. The two closest people in your life were mind fucking each other behind your back on your dime. Yeah. Right. Yep. So you were extremely isolated by this. Yes. Yeah. And that is catastrophic. The person who's at fault is your wife and your friend. Now, Yes, you have some tertiary responsibility. They're in your life. You chose them. They weren't your family. It's right. Family of origin is not chosen. Friendships and marriages are. But the idea that you would sit both people down and give them both a lecture? Come on. Oh, no, no. Sorry. I, I... No, no. This is what you said you would do. And this is yeah. what you said your mother would do. Which is why you would do this, right? Uh, she, would, she would have told me. She would have have told me that um well if i was the perpetrator she would have told me to, to be honest and truthful and um if she had told me with what ha happened i think she would have said 
uh, you know, to make sure that it's that I'm 100% on top of it, I guess. Which okay, yeah, I don't I don't but, know what you're talking about, so I'm going to just keep moving. Yeah, on, no, this is just a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of a bunch of syllables designed to throw me off the scent, you know. So you're like yeah. you're like the getaway criminal who's wading up river in the hopes that the dogs lose the scent. So I don't even know what that's all about, but let's just put it uh, put it behind us. Uh, is it fair to say that your wife has grown up since then? Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So let's move from 15 years ago to now. Because now, my criticism is actually of you, not of your wife, in terms of yep. the present. I think I've made my yep. judgment of your wife in the past pretty clear, but my issue yes. is with you. Tell me this. Yep. Tell me this, Darren. When does your wife get out of jail? When is your wife truly forgiven for what happened 15 years ago? Because holding on to this to the point where it still cuts you very deeply after 15 years, is it 20? Is it 25? Is it after you're both reincarnated as dung beetles? I mean, when when does this statute of limitations run out for the wrongs that she did? I can't answer that. That's the that's the, the million-dollar question. I, I, I think it's forever. Well, I think that um, that is a bad answer, and I think that's a very controlling answer. I think that's a resentful answer, and I also think that that's kind of a bullying answer. See, here's the thing about forgiveness, right? If the person, and you said she worked hard for two years, she's grown up a lot since then. If the person has legitimately earned forgiveness and you don't pay it, you're kind of a dick. Right? If she's earned, if she's earned, the, if she hasn't earned the forgiveness... That's on you as well because it's been 15 years, right? But if she has grown and if she's admitted fault and if she has uh, legitimately worked hard and honestly and justly to earn your forgiveness and you're still holding on to this uh, upset, what it means is that most likely, I think, what it means, Darren, is that you're striving to have power and effect in the relationship and you're holding this over her as a power play. Uh yeah, her friends have said the same. I, I know that that's not true. Uh, that doesn't ring true at all. It's uh, I, ring I true. Absolutely you're laughing about things, and you're telling me what emotionally rings true. Uh, I'm laughing. I'm laughing as to as a mask. I'm, it's it's upsetting. Right, but who, who says that this ringing true thing isn't can't get through the mask? But anyway, tell me tell me why you think it's not true. Because I, if I if it was a, a thing to control, um, it would never be a true relationship, and I knew that. Pretty much from the first week, it would never be a she needed, but like it wouldn't be a, a, an honest relationship. It so, wouldn't be an honest relationship. The woman who well, lied about stepping out with your best friend and harming your business for fifteen months—you're telling me that it wouldn't be an honest relationship? Well, it it would always be something where I then have to look over my back. Um, no, no, no. You know, this has nothing to do with what I'm asking. We can talk about that in a sec, but. I need to get this stuff dealt with first. Um, when someone has done us wrong and they've admitted that they've done wrong, and this is why a lot of people don't admit when they've done wrong in a relationship, is it swings the balance of power to the other person. Because now you're in the possession of having been wronged. And I'm not saying this is true of you. I'm just saying that there's, I've known a lot of relationships in my life where people they almost welcome the other person being a jerk. They almost welcome the other person behaving badly because then they get the power. 
right? Yeah. It's like this, like, you know, the seesaws when you were a kid. Think of a bowling ball on a seesaw, right? It's kind of in the middle. One person does wrong, rolls down. Oh, I got the power now. I can tell this other person they've done wrong and they now have to do what I say and dance to my tune and, and make restitution and apologize. And that kind of power can become a habit. It can become, I think, addictive. And my yes. question yeah. is, if she's better, if she's earned your forgiveness, and you're still holding on to the pain of this, then you're the one who's now being unjust. You're the one who's now harming the relationship. Yes, I am. Yeah, I am. I'm not holding, I don't want to hold on to it. I don't know what that means. Um, it's, uh, I, I mean, I know what the words mean, but you've heard of the phrase secondary gains, right? Secondary gains are the unconscious or subconscious benefits that we get out of things that we claim are negative, right? So, you know, yeah. like somebody who's, oh, I've got a bad back. I've got a bad back. You know, maybe it's not quite as bad as the person says it is, but they get lots of sympathy and then they don't have to do any chores and people bring them food and somebody offers to mow their lawn. And so there's a called secondary benefits, right? Secondary yeah. gains. Yeah. So you may be getting some secondary gains out of having this moral authority and elevation and power in the marriage. Does this ever come up with your wife? This uh, history? Uh, as in, does she raise it? No, no. I didn't ask who raised it. I said, does it ever come up? Either one of you. Very rarely now. It did for some years. Uh, How often would it come and, up for some years? Let's well, say after the two it, years that you said she worked to um, earn your forgiveness. Yep. Okay. Then it would come up probably about once a week for the probably the next year. And then every two weeks. Um, and then sort of it's dwindled off now where it's... Uh, it might be well. It really is a number of months before you know b before it comes up, and I, I think about it, but I don't ever speak about it. And uh, nowadays, anyway, okay. So I know why, that it's why really do you why do you think about this event from fifteen years ago? Hmm. Um, I can't answer that. I don't know. Why does question. it give me a context in which this event from 15 years ago comes up? Because I'll tell you this. I, I mean, I look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to ask you a question, then interrupt you immediately. I apologize for that. I just want to get this across before I forget. People have wronged me far more egregiously than your wife did 15 years ago. I barely think about it. Yep. And, and that's for a wide variety of reasons, but mostly out of a desire for happiness. Right. So my question yes, is, yeah. under what situations or under in what context does this come up with your wife now, 15 years later? You said a couple of times a year. Yeah, it, look, it comes up um, if I if somebody betrays me, no matter what it is, like if it's if someone lies to me uh, or if there's a betrayal over a job uh, that we're doing or something like that, it that um, I feel it. I feel it much more uh, raw than than what I should. And my wife picks up on that. And so she'll actually ask at that point what I'm thinking, and uh, and you know I'll say it's uh, yeah I'm, I'm hurt again like by by the, by the by the betrayal not not from her but from whatever the situation might be. And who and sorry feels, who in your life who in your life helps you to vet people so that you don't get betrayed? 
uh, my wife. And so your wife gives her seal of approval to these people or says that they're trustworthy and then sometimes they will betray you. Is that right? Yes, but she's right much more often than wrong in that regard. So she's shielding you from a lot of people who will betray you, but occasionally both of you miss your guess and you get betrayed. Yes, yeah. So how many people does she save you from versus how many people get through? Is it like nine to one, ten to one, five to oh, one? No, not very many. When she was working actively in the business, uh, she would um, – her gut feel about clients uh, was something that I relied on an awful lot. So she's uh, actually because... saving you from being betrayed? Yes. And your way of re rewarding her – for saving you from being betrayed is to bring up her betrayal from 15 years ago. I don't bring it up anymore. No, you just told me it still comes up. Yeah, it comes up. She'll ask the question. No, but emotionally. You no, go, oh, yeah, well, I'm just being honest. Yeah. But the question is, why is, why is it there? If she's protecting you, she's never had another affair. She's never had another emotional affair. Well, I'm going to go with that assumption since you're talking about 15 years ago. She protects yeah. you from people who might betray you. And she saves you from the experience of betrayal. Occasionally, you know, I guess a puck gets through the goalie or whatever. But um, rather than say, wow, you know, I'm... Um, I'm thrilled at the nine people you prevented me from being betrayed by now. This one person, you know, kind of betrayed me. But, man, am I ever glad that I, it wasn't nine times worse, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a completely valid statistical perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. And why is and it not I, part I of your appreciate. thinking then? I do appreciate that. But but not enough to have it change your feelings. Because you don't get it. If she is the goalie keeping bad people from betraying you, and she's saving you from massive amounts of betrayal, I don't know where the hell you live, Betrayal Canyon, I don't know, but um, then she's providing a significant benefit to you. And she, by, by, she betrayed you in the past 15 years ago. But now she's saving you from being betrayed by others. But that doesn't strike you emotionally because you're still upset about what happened 15 years ago. Yeah, it's it see. Here's the thing. Let me. I'm sorry. Let me just cut, break it down for you. I don't know how much honesty I'm getting from you, and by that I don't mean that you're being dishonest. I just none of this makes sense. Mm, right. Yeah. I mean, none of this makes sense to me. I, I'm just to be frank with you. It doesn't mean it doesn't make sense at all. I'm just telling. Maybe I'm too biased or idiotic or whatever it is to, to put all of these puzzle pieces together. But what she did was horrendous, egregious, horrifying. And, you know, if she's better now, then you're the unjust person, right? And yeah. if she's not yeah. particularly better now, then your feelings are saying it's not solved. No, it's, so, it's solved. Okay, so if, it, so if it's, it's solved, it's then problem. you need – if it's solved, if she's better now and she's working to help keep you safe from a betrayal she enacted 15 years ago and she's doing a good job – then you are the unjust one. You are the one who is now harming the marriage and you are the one who is now betraying her by not paying her the respect and peace of mind that she has earned over the past 13 years, right? After the two years that you, you found out or 12 years or whatever yeah. it's going to be, right? Yeah. So then you have become her. 
In other words, the betrayal that she had, the emotional distance that she retained, the lack of commitment to respect for you that she enacted 15 years ago, you're enacting now. You are doing as much harm to your marriage as she did 15 years ago by holding on to resentment and upset when she has done everything conceivable, I think, to restore your trust in her. Yes. yes. Now you're just being a jerk. Now you're just being a jerk and you're betraying her and you're having an emotional affair with your own resentment. Do you understand? Your resentment has become (laughs) the best friend that you're mind fucking now in the marriage. You're having an affair with your resentment at the expense of your intimacy with your wife. You have mirrored her behavior. Yeah, that's deep. That's where we go. <laughs> that's what we do. Right, but you understand, right? Yeah, yeah. You're having an affair with power. You're having an affair with self-righteousness. You're having an affair with being right rather than being happy. Mm, yeah. You're keeping yourself distant from her. In the same way she kept herself distant from you. There's a third party in the marriage called gripped history. You've got that history in your fist and you won't let it go. Now, the pain of letting that go, I understand. I'm not saying you're crazy. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. Your mother got sick. It was terrifying. Your mother died. It was ugly and horrible. You said you were very close with her. And I'm sorry for all of that. I really am. Really am. But here's the thing. Life is risk. You may open your heart and you may get it shredded. You might throw your arms wide to your wife or to the world and unreservedly love and be enthusiastic and be passionate and be positive. And the world might fire up a chainsaw and carve out your innards. And the world might fire up a lawnmower and ride over your nads. It might happen. And what's the alternative? We hold ourselves close. We hold on to resentments. We don't give ourselves body and soul to the people in our lives. We hold back. We hold on. We sit in the past. We dwell in the past. We withhold ourselves to keep her safe. For what? What are you keeping yourself safe for, Darren? You're going to die either way. Yeah, yeah. You mean you're in your 50s, right? Yep. You got another 30 years to go? Do you want this to be a half century? You want to call me back when you're 85? No, no. I want and say, to wow, 31 years later, I've really managed to hang on to that resentment. Do you want to become the Middle East? I don't think you do. Mm, yeah. I don't think yeah. you do. No, no, no I, I want it gone. I've, I've, it, you've given me a lot to think about. Stop mind-fucking your resentment and mm. <laughs> open your heart to your wife and apologize. Now you have something to apologize for, which is she's worked hard to keep you safe and apologized and made restitution. And you're like, nope, nope, yeah, yeah, nope, I'm holding myself back for 15 years. Now, first couple of years, okay, it's a long time, but I can understand it. But man alive, I think, I think it's fair now to let it go. And to apologize for holding on for, for so long because it is interfering with your marriage. Look. Let me give you my last piece of advice, then I'll shut up and let you talk. Thank you very much for the Right. Have you ever heard the phrase, you're an entrepreneur, right? You run a business, so you probably have. Have you ever heard the phrase, go big or go home? 
Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Basically, you've got to put a big, big risk in to get the big rewards. Otherwise, don't bother trying. You're in or you're out. Yeah. Don't be one foot on the pier, one foot on the boat kind of guy. If you're going to stay with your wife, and I'm guessing 15 years after the emotional affair, you're in for the long haul. If you're going to stay with your wife, then be with your wife. Be open-hearted with your wife. Let it go. Stop having an affair with the cyst of your history. Yeah, yeah. Right. Open your heart to her. Because at some point, if you continue, (laughs) this is the the tragic thing, Darren. If you continue to withhold part of who you are, if you continue to hold things in backup in case of emergency, break real Daryl. Well, that has already broken real Daryl. Darren, sorry. And so... Here's the concern that I have is that sooner or later, she's going to get so frustrated by you not being as emotionally available to her as she wants you to be. What's going to happen, Darren? Yeah, it's all over then. Well, she's going to go and have another affair, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. I don't, you know, it's still going to be something. It's going to be, mm. you can only withhold water from people for so long before they'll start sucking out of a moose track with rainwater with a straw, right? Yeah, yeah. So you kind of in a self-fulfilling prophecy thing. You're not giving her your whole heart. You're not just opening the bomb base and letting all of who you are rain down on her city. That's probably not a great metaphor, but you know what I mean. Yeah, right? So yeah. open your heart to her and be with her 150%. And then she's not going to go looking elsewhere. Because you're setting yourself up for repeat, repeat, repeat. I'm telling you this. You're setting yourself up. Women need intimacy. Women need intimacy. They need to know that their fingers are right there in the pockets of your heart, <laughs> as deep as they can go. You know, men need yeah, sex. Yeah. Women need intimacy, right? And, yeah. you know, this is the tragedy of sometimes the relations that men say, well, I'll feel intimate after we have sex. And the women say, well, we can have sex after I feel intimate. It's like, <laughs> anyway, but this, it, it's, it's meat and drink. For for women. And by withholding this, um, you are punishing her and you are uh, setting yourself up for a repetition and you are doing for 15 years what she did for 15 months. And it's interesting to me that the number 15 shows up both times. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And that after 15 months, she stopped. And after 15 years, you're calling for help saying, help me stop. Yeah. So you're 12 times worse. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you ever make a new best friend? Uh, yeah, look, I've made, uh, I sort of went uh, and sort of found groups of friends then after that. Just, uh, yeah, so I've got a, a number of friends, yeah, that are, are closer than, than, than he ever was. So, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's all good. Don't on your deathbed, Darren, look back and say, well, that was 30 years of withholding myself. And for what? For what? I'm going to yeah. be thrown in a. 12 inch i'm going to be thrown down a six foot hole in a pine box and there's going to be dirt thrown on my new home as the worms get closer and what did i do i withheld myself uh i i i with um withdrew myself i stayed self-righteous i stayed distant i and for what what are you hoarding for you know love love is like money you you can't take it with you spend everything Mm. Spend everything while you're here. Spend all your passions while you're here. You know, you know this as an educated man that the 
possibility of everything coming together to make you who you are is so astonishingly and infinitesimally small that this is an unbelievably almost godlike gift that we have been given in the universe. We alone know what it's like to think. We alone know what it's like to resent, to withhold. We alone know what it is like to reason. We alone know what it is like to love based on values. And you have this incredible gift. And it's given you a gift of pain uh, with your mother, which I sympathize, and pain with your wife. Don't pay back that gift of pain with more pain. Don't be the echo chamber of agony. Don't escalate. Give your heart. Overcome history. And defy the universe that kind of wants you drag drag you back down to inertia defy it and throw your heart high i don't care if it gets sliced up by a ceiling fan fruit ninja style i just don't care just throw your heart high put your heart out there you know every time i do a video where i'm really really passionate do you know what half the comments are i don't really check them but if i do sort of brush by the comments the comment is like oh you're such a ham oh that's a bad acting oh i don't like this emotion oh i don't like this feeling oh i don't like this passion oh you were you auditioning for something it's like oh Look, the fact that other people can't feel is not my issue. I am yeah. genuinely passionate about what I talk about, and I yeah. hold nothing back. I hold nothing in reserve. There is nothing after the war but death. So spend every goddamn piece of ammo you have in this incredible weaponry called living. And I just don't want you to trudge and sludge and and hide and slither your way to the grave that waits you either way. Go open your heart up to people. Forgive, forget She's earned it. Yes. Stop having an affair while blaming her for having an affair. Let go the mistress of resentment and embrace your wife and your life. Yeah, yeah. Now that was, um, yeah, actually, when you said affair with my own self-righteousness, that really hit home, actually. Well, then I should stop talking because I don't want to oversell what I've sold. But listen, I hope this was helpful. I'm glad it sounds like it was. Very and and so. I really, really appreciate your, your honesty on this. And thank you very much uh, for that insight. Absolutely. You're welcome. To drop us a line, let us know let us know how it goes. Yeah, will do. Thank you very much. All right, thanks. All right, up next we have Bob. Bob wrote into the show and said, I am getting divorced. Years ago I married a woman who had betrayed me once, and recently I discovered she betrayed me again. During that betrayal, I was also quite sick. I want to explore with you and understand why I would commit the mistake of falling in love and then marrying an unfaithful person and what I can do in the future to secure the loyal love and happiness that I want for myself. That's from Bob. Hello, Bob. How you doing? Hello, Steph. Hello, Steph. How are you doing? How's everybody doing? I'm all right. Is your health better? Miraculously, yes. Uh, Not all the way there, but uh, every day I'm stronger. I have more energy. I am doing more things, and uh, my life is slowly putting itself together again. Um, I apologize. Is this your first big brush with illness? Um, yes, this is, this would be my first time I've ever had to worry about uh, a problem that's not uh, mental. I've had depression in the past uh, when I was yeah. much, much younger. But this yeah, it's weird time. when, like, I mean, I my whole life never broke a bone, never went to hospital, never sick. And then suddenly like, boom, hey, you're really, really sick and could die. Oh, well, that's new. Hey, it's a novel life experience called the end of the novel. But anyway, um, so it, I'm glad I, that you're. It makes it makes me, you know, both your experience and my experience make me want to exchange either of those for a broken bone. It would have been so much easier. <laughs> right. What's that? There's a great uh, the bucket list with um, Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Jack Nicholson who's going through cancer treatment, or and he's basically like, you know, somewhere some lucky asshole's just having a fatal heart attack. You know, boom, dead. You know, none of this drag out stuff. Uh, and uh, so I just wanted to express sympathy for that, and I'm sorry uh, about um, about what's happened and uh, betrayed. Do you mean sexually or emotionally or financially or what do you mean? Um, first time it was. Look, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. It will take about six minutes. I can compress everything. Wow, of the that's, last... that's very specific. It's it's almost like you told this before in time. Yeah, yeah I ahead. timed myself. Uh, I I've shared this story with a few other friends uh, over the past uh, month and a half or so, because it's been very useful to to talk to my friends uh, about what's going on. Uh, I've I've relied on them to 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 give me insights. Because you know, people people seeing you with stuff that you can't see in yourself, and so that's been super useful. Now, without further further ado, I'll I'll tell you what's going on. So, in 2011, I met this woman, um, who uh, who had problems of her own. I am not sure how much I should say about that, but suffice it to say, she was sort of like in the process of recovery herself, of illness, of abuse, and uh, of certain set of confusions. And uh, I found her intriguing, and uh, soon enough we began going out. Mm. I slowly fell in love with her. It took me about a few months, but I was, after a few months, I was in love with her. I was uh, mesmerized by her intelligence because she is. I mean, man, I'm I'm super in, I'm super intelligent. She is far more intelligent than I am, right? And uh, so with her, never a boring conversation. That's... Wait, why uh, why would she be interested in you if she's far more? In... I mean, just statistically, yeah. IQ <laughs> tends to match with IQ. So what did you have? Are you extremely well hung, very rich? Uh, are you double jointed? Are you a gymnast? Uh, I mean, what uh, what did you have to offer this giant of intellect uh, if you were just kind of trudging along with the muggle brain? Well, uh, not muggle brain, uh, like 140 IQ. So no, no. But if she's like 180, <laughs> well, I have I had experience. I had uh, I had far more I seen far more in the world than she had I ten years older than her of course I had a good job and I, I had a, a, an amazing prospect of a career in the future and and mostly I think it is that I listened to her and I helped her overcome several problems that she had and I truly did it it this never escapes me that she I, I try to leave people better off than than they were before I met them. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, sorry to interrupt, Bob. I mean, I don't know about this sort of clingy, fix each other, mutual therapy relationships usually don't work out in my experience, but um, I'm concerned that you, you, you talked about how brilliant she was, not how virtuous she was. Now I know that you know enough about the show that intelligence is not a virtue. It, it, it is important uh, and it's necessary, but not sufficient for intelligent people to fall in love with. But you talked about her intelligence more, or, or, not her virtues. And that is a, uh, you know, I know if I'm dealing with somebody with 140 IQ, I got to be alert. (laughs) I got to (laughs) be this fast. I got to be this fast. And so when you, when I sort of, you said, um, you've listened to the show before, I assume, right? I've been listening to your show since 2007. Beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. And so, um, so here's the thing. When... Someone says, I fell in love with person X. What do I always ask next? 
usually you ask why. Right. And you knew that question was coming. Mm-hmm. And you didn't want me to ask that question, so you thought you'd talk about how intelligent she was, so maybe I wouldn't ask how was virtuous she was. Question, and I didn't mind that you asked it, and I'm happy that mm. you did. And yes, I, I, my first, my right foot was to tell you how intelligent she was. I wasn't going to say that she was virtuous because, in retrospective, uh, she had plenty of virtues, but she lacked. And what were those? Because all I know about her is that she betrayed you twice. So you may have a bit of a, an uphill climb when it comes to selling me on her virtues, but uh, I'm, I'm very happy to hear. I will. Um, she was very uh, gentle, kind, super, super thoughtful. She was also very helpful. Whenever I had problems, she would n- no, never hesitate to help me in the most selfless manner. And uh, in no small, in no small part, thanks to her, my career developed into a far, far better thing than it was. And it was already pretty mm. good. But through her, I, guess, I mean, through her contacts and through her ability to uh, connect and uh, put me in touch with the right people, I essentially quadrupled my income, which is damn good. I mean, I can't really complain. Mm. Uh, she was also... So you got you got well paid for the betrayals, I guess. But uh, okay, go on. <laughs> Not, not anymore. I'll tell you why in a few minutes, but I'll continue. Um, uh, we moved in together in 2012, uh, about midway 2012. Uh, and at this point, I asked, I was fairly certain that this, this person I could trust, and I trusted her with things that I'd never told anyone, right? I really trusted her with everything that was on my mind, down to my family troubles, which is not something I speak freely of. Uh, with um, and of course you'll get to ask the family questions. Those are very important. Um, eh, so we had to. I had to renew my visa. So we went to my home country. I'm not going to tell where it is, but it's a shithole. Eh, we stayed there for a month, and then when we came back, something was off. After a few days or a few, if I'm misremembering, a few days or a few weeks, I started noticing a few things about her behavior it changed. Right? She started dressing sexy for work, and I'm like, well. Cool. Uh, that's nice because I'd never seen her do that before. Little did I know oh that it had nothing to do with me, right? Oh dear. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. She that's... became a little cold with me, and uh, of course, a couple of things suffered in the process. And I'm sure you understand, so I don't have to spell it out. Sex life. <laughs> Thank you, Steph. You have... No, no, it's fine. It's Listen, I, you know, just you know, <laughs> remember, we we can't assume that that the entire audience is as smart as you. No, I mean, so yeah, so she's dressed <laughs> and sexy for work, and she's colder to you, and uh, her heart is realigning. Re- like I don't know if you ever had a model train set when you were a kid. I did. I slept under my model train set, and um, I I think I had one briefly that I borrowed. But there was like this thing. It's like a junction. The train you would drive, and then it would turn. Uh, like the dials of a clock and it would turn and it would go to someplace new and like the heart and it, you could I'd never had one but you could get them where they even mach- mechanized you'd hit a switch and they mm, right the, the train would turn uh, and it's sort of like she's turning from one train into a tunnel to another mm, turning over like the tracks are switching in these situations yeah exactly uh, and uh, I was worried so so at the beginning, I, I, I thought it was just totally fine. And a week later, I started experiencing nightmares. And the nightmares had a recurring theme. She was being dragged away uh, by someone else. And I was in a different platform, so to speak. And the platform was parting 
from the platform she was, and she had somebody else pulling her away. And I stretched my hand, and I tried to grab the hand, and I couldn't. And this kept happening. And one day, the dream was so intense. This is in December now, December 2012, beginning of December. It usually is. Oh, man. And uh, I woke up, and I sat up on bed in bed, and I called my work, and I said, I'm sorry, I'm sick today. I can't come in. And then I called her immediately. We need to talk. Uh, and it's a very serious matter. And um, there's a there's a situation here. And she says, sure, come come by the, the office. And then we just have lunch and then talk. So I went back by the office and we had lunch. And of course, I couldn't eat anything because I was nauseous. So I told her, let's go home. I need to tell you something. And uh, I can't do it here. And I also am not hungry. So I went home, sat down on the couches, ironically, the same couches that I'm sitting on right now. And I told her, so this is happening. You're dressing sexually. You're spending a lot of time chatting on Facebook with I don't know who, but I'm not one to like spy or anything. And you're also, well, at least I guess I wasn't, so to speak. Yeah, it'll become clear soon. And um, and you're not paying attention to me. And you know our life is suffering, right? So what's going on? And at this point, she was very sincere. And she blurted out, I'm in love with someone else. Oh, God. Holy uh, mule kick of horror to the chest, right? It's the, yeah, it's the kind of thing that you want, don't want to hear. And if I hadn't done it, if my intuition hadn't told me, you know what? You need to begin mate guarding. You need to begin doing the right thing and figuring out what the hell is going on because otherwise you're going to be in trouble. And so I told her, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to be back in half an hour and I'll come with a solution for this problem. So I ran. I actually walked out of the, the apartment, but as soon as I hit the road, I just began, began running and began running throughout the whole city. Half an hour later, I came back. I opened the door and told her, I know what we're going to do now. First of all, do you want to stay with me? Oh, this is all serious. Matter of fact, I'm not angry. I'm just super shaken and also basically emotionless, right? And uh, I... She says, but why, yes. why, why would you give her the option to stay with you? And well, we'll explore that. It's one one of the questions that I. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just. Why? Okay, you're in love with someone else, and you've been lying to me about it and withholding information from me. So, ball's in your court. Why? Why is the ball in her court? Because I was in love with her, and I didn't want to lose her. And yeah, the, you know, one of the ways that you can cure being in love with someone is if they're off fucking some other guy. I hate to put wait, it wait. that baldly, but that can be a bit of a cure yes, to that. But go on. That's true. Uh, so uh, she said yes. And I, so I sat down and I asked her, okay, so what's, what's happened? She says, nothing has happened. It's just an intern from my job. And he's gone back to uh, a country you are familiar with. And uh, he's not coming back. And so nothing is happening. Like, an intern? Yes, an intern. That's right. Uh, Boy, I thought I thought I thought women had hypergamy. I mean, I I thought they were supposed to trade up. I mean, you quadrupled your income. I know a little bit about your business, uh, so I know you're not poor. And uh, holy crap! I mean, how good looking was this guy? Did you ever find out? Uh, he was pretty good looking, but uh, the only thing he had really had over me is, in my opinion, at least. But you know what? Everybody thinks great of themselves, right? Uh, is that he was taller. Uh, that's about it. He was obviously much poorer and obviously far less experienced uh, in every sense of the word. Um, um, so he was, um, 
you know, this is not an excuse, but it's probably mm -hmm. just... Um, it's a factor, probably, right? It's a factor, right? So there was a time, I'm going to guess, that there was a time in her life, roughly around this boy's age, that she had very low sexual market value and was not able to attract a boy like this. Uh, and now uh, she's trying to go back and rescue that lonely younger self by backfilling, uh, so to speak, uh, a level of male attraction that she was not able to achieve when she was his age. I had also determined that on my own, and you're completely correct. Uh, you know, I sent you a picture. I'm not sure if you saw it. Uh, I did. Uh, I was happy we took that picture. Uh, you're, you're looking very smiley there. I like it. Um, she yeah, just, just for those who don't know, we've, we, I met these uh, fine people uh, in, in person at a conference. So, sorry, go ahead. And um, um, I'm not sure what you think of her, but she was, at this point, she was the best. She's, the point of the picture, she was the best she had ever looked, right? Uh, and she was substantially worse looking before. I'm not going to tell you how, how badly it was, but it was, I didn't fall in love with her because she was good looking. I'll tell you that. Mm. For mm. sure, right? And um, that incredibly, that was a break from my patterns because my patterns have always been to fall in love with a beautiful woman. And in this case, nope. Uh, I looked for something deeper, and I thought it found it. So uh, when I when when she told me that what had happened, it, it never even touched, never kissed, no nothing. And I had good reason to believe that that was the case because I mean, basically going to from work, not really going out or anything. Uh, and then I said, okay, I need to really certify or verify that we, I, I, right now I don't trust you. So I'm going to need you to do several things for me. The first thing is I'm going to need you to show me your, your conversations with him, right? For, through every medium. And she was very angry. You see, how could you violate my privacy? That's incredible. Oh, what? And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What? No, 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 no. Yes, yes. Oh, my and God. I was very, very stern. She, she's caught having an emotional affair with an intern, hiding it from you to the point where you're having nightmares, lying about it to you, withholding information from you. And then she plays the moral outrage card. Oh, I got to tell you, I weirdly admire the chutzpah of that right because she's saying no nothing happened and it's like you're like well you've just been lying to me for weeks weeks about something absolutely essential so i'm afraid i'm going to need a little bit of verification and she's like oh what do you mean verification what an invasion of my privacy i can't believe you wouldn't trust me after i've just been lying to you for weeks but oh wow that's impressive i got it i mean that is that's uh i don't know if that's rare but that's that's one of a kind in my experience. I mean, after you've just revealed that you're basically having an emotional affair, it's kind of tough to play the moral outrage card if you want verification after you've been lying for weeks. Steph, it's quite common. It's a normal thing wow. that everybody who's being betrayed comments on every infidelity forum there is. And oh, well, no, she, she's telling the truth. Yes. If she's telling the truth, it's like, here, I'm an open book. Have a look at all the messages. You'll see it was just a flirtation. We never met. We never did anything. I'm an open book. Yeah, that, that, but that's the moral. That's the moral response, not the person. The person. Oh, but what happened? What I'm happened? I'm not trying to excuse her. No, but what happened oh. after this? Like, did, you found, said I'm going to need to see the Facebook I found, messages. Yes, Quite reasonable. Conversations that were. Uh, what did she? She gave you the Facebook messages. No, 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 no. I said in front of me, open it all up. I want to see it all. 
Right. And, and so she did do that, right? Yeah. Uh, she it, it took it took it, it took about two minutes of her to for her to like get over the moral outrage, and uh, and sort of like at least understand or maybe just relent. I have no idea. I, it may come it may come become clear a little bit later. And uh, I, sure, sure indeed, I found evidence of like flirty conversation. And uh, I think there was an I love you or something like, or I really like you or something like that. And I, wait, 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 wait. Those, those two, are, those two are two very different things. Yes, I know they're different things, but don't, don't tell me it's not burned into your brain somewhere. Uh, Branded on your gonads. What was it? An I love you or I like my you? My gonads. That's funny. I'll tell you why in a few minutes. Uh, I don't remember, honestly. I am not lying to you. I just don't remember. I don't. I didn't keep. I'm afraid I'm going to need to see your Facebook conversations now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry if it's. I'm. I'm really speaking close to the microphone because it's really low. I hope it's not like, super loud. That's no, fine. It's fine. Uh, in the, in yeah, sure enough, there was an emotional affair. I said you. You've been having an emotional affair. So here, here's what we're going to do to fix it. Right. First of all, I need you to write him a letter of no contact. I'll dictate and you write. See the moral outreach stuff. That was like two minutes. This took a lot longer for her to accept that that's what that's one of the conditions to to continue together. A lot longer. I had to reason with her. I had to tell her, I know how this these emotional affairs thingies go. I'm, I'm I'm aware of this. You're right now in love with him. I am an obstacle for you to continue with him, right? And so you don't want to do this because then the hope for your affair is gone, and then you're you're stuck back in like basically zero. But you really need to do well. This. Here's the thing, right? I don't know if you got to this, and I just go on, go on. want to ask you this uh, before I forget. The question for me in these situations is always this, honey: Did the affair remain only emotional because he wouldn't fuck you? Oh. In other words, if he had come and said, "Let's get it on," right? If he had come. Uh, with uh, wine and chocolates and Barry White, and if he'd have said, uh, "Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it," would it have stayed an emotional affair, or was she kind of circling, looking for landing in the uh, in the jungle, and uh, you know, just couldn't couldn't find a place to land? So it's like, no, I never landed. But was it a choice that she made, even with opportunity, or was it in the absence of opportunity, in which case, from my perspective, if the only reason the affair remained non-physical is because he wouldn't fuck her, then it's exactly the same as a physical affair. I appreciate the insight. I considered that before as well, and uh, I, I can't really tell you what would be the case, but uh, I'm not discarding the possibility that that's the case, actually, because I never asked that, because my concern at this point was... Well, we have a broken relationship. We can split. I told her, you know, we can split if you want. That's totally fine. We can go our own marriage. I'm sorry. We, I'm sorry. To, I know you guys lived together. How long did you live together for? At this point, we were living together for about six, no, five, no, August to September, less than less than four months. We traveled together. Though. But when when were you uh, when were you married? We married in 2013. And were you living together before you got married? After? Before, of course. Before. Before. So I'm just like four months. So this happened years ago? This happened years ago, man. Okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to, um, uh, I'm just trying to get my time frame here. Do you need okay. to ask any okay. questions to orient yourself? 
Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just I just need to orient myself, make sure why I know where where I am in time. Okay. Uh all right. So this is 2013 and 2012. Sorry, 2012 and you're giving her all of the choices. I'm giving her the option to stay or to go. And at this why? point I've decided that Why 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 is it her choice? Because I wanted to stay. Why did you want to stay? I'm not saying you shouldn't have or sh- I don't know. I just want to know what the reasons are. We just come back from a trip, a, a month-long trip, right? This month-long trip was uh, quite the experience, and we were away from our home, basically our home. And she was supportive and she was loving. And uh, the day that we were slate supposed to come back, but the visa was not through, she had to come back. She had to go back to work. And we went to the airport. And uh, the, this is like with one of those things that's seared in my mind. And as she approached the counter and the lady asked for her name and her passport, the checkout, the checking counter, right? She just fainted. She couldn't go away without me. And we, indeed, she missed her flight. We had to go. She fainted. She fainted. Yes, she fainted. She just dropped on the floor. I grabbed her as she was falling. I called for a doctor. A doctor came. We went to the, the, the little ER room that is it's in the airport. And then they gave her an IV. And I, I slept next to her for six hours while she was like recovering there. And then we went back to the hotel. She, she fainted because she had to get a plane on her own? She fainted in my, in my, I never asked her, why did you faint? Because it's a stupid question to ask, right? But no, 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 no. Very good question to ask. Very good question to ask. You've, you, you took this as a compliment. Yes, of course. Absolutely. No, no, no. I did. But I did, right? No, no. That's hysterical. She faints because she has to get on a plane without you? Not not, not a compliment. I don't think. It seems like a confession of codependent nuttiness, in my humble opinion. Okay. Maybe you had the same feeling. Maybe it's mutual or something like that. But, uh, you know, there are people in my life who absolutely love me. I just, none of them have ever fainted because they have to get on a plane without me. Yep, that's right. Uh, Then again, she she was, uh, never mind, it's fine. I'll take what you're saying. I'm just, just pointing this out, that this may not be... Exactly what you think. It I is. am just telling you what I thought at the time. I'm not saying I think the same way now. Just, just for the record, okay. right? All right, all right. So, just, and I'm, I'm just, just checking here. Okay, so go, go ahead. Going back to this, like, no contact letter. I told her, you know, you need to write. I, I had learned about this uh, from a side of, uh, I think, talk about marriage, something like that. I don't remember exactly. And uh, this is intended to. You're gonna. What you're going to do is. That, that crush that's developing, you're going to smother it in the crib so it doesn't continue, right? Uh, it, she wrote a no-contact letter. Please do not contact me. I am in a happy relationship with my boyfriend, and I, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Goodbye. She blocked the guy on all social media and everything. And then I asked her, I need to, from, from here on now, I need to have access to your stuff, but it's not the access that I care about. What I want is full honesty. I need you to be fully honest with me. I need you to tell me the truth about what's going on. If you have a crush or something like that, you need to tell me before it becomes a problem. And you need to learn how to to nip those things in the bud because it's a, an adult thing, right? I I have since I was 24, I have never let 
any sort of crush that I have interfere with a with a relationship I have because it would be irresponsible. It would be terrible. It would be a betrayal. So I don't let them develop. And this is something that everybody needs to learn at some point in their lives when they're adults, right? Oh, you have a crush. Okay. That's fine. Everybody gets crushes, right? Yeah. Sex, sex is like candy. Like you, you grow up and you just stop stuff in your face, right? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, though, uh, yeah, I'll tell you something a little later. But yes, correct. Yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's how it's supposed to be, at least. That's my understanding of it. I'm, I'm on the north side of 35, not quite 40. Um, have a lot of experience in life and uh, not all of it is pleasant. But it's been useful. And uh, yes, indeed, you're right. So continuing uh, with what I was saying, uh, we we said I said some norms. I thought perfectly reasonable norms. Uh, you, if you go out with friends and everything, just let me know. You don't have to come home by a nine or anything. You can come anytime, but just let me know with who you are and where you're going, so I know where you are. Right? Just do that for me, and um, uh, you cannot go out you know, with another man to, a, especially to a, like alone with another man, or you cannot bring a man to my house. Not that she ever did, but you know, I'm spelling it out. Uh, so that, um, because if you're going out to, with another man, you're basically, if it's going to be like a date, if it would be something that you would hide from me, don't do it. Right. I, I, I would like that. And I'm not going to prohibit you from doing that, but I can tell you that I'm going to love you less if you do that. And uh, things kind of patch up rather quickly. She was angry for me. She has angered me for about uh, two or three weeks, but in, in December 24th, in Christmas Eve. Wait, she was angry at you? Oh. Why? Well, I thought we'd visit that already. Uh, I was no longer, at this point, during these three weeks, no longer her boyfriend, but rather the obstacle for her to get the guy that she wanted. So she was angry at me because of that. She was angry at you because you blocked her from having an affair? Yes, that's exactly why most couples who are like having a, one of the sides having an affair, uh, eventually the other side, like the guy the, or the guy or the girl who's having the affair sees the, the, the current partner as an obstacle, right? I mean, we just had a, a caller right now who mentioned that the, the, the wife really wanted him kind of out of the house, out of the way, so she could continue her affair, right? That's a normal thing. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying it's kind of like almost my logic. No, 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 but 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 she's no right to be oh. angry at you because she betrayed yes, you. Yes, I know that. But I'm not talking morals here. We, you and I understand this moral situation very, very clearly. It's complete. You're completely correct. And you're right. And I agree with you. But she was angry. And I, I why? Well, that just means she's going to do it again, right? Ah, uh, Steph. Um, I wish I had no, no, because you're, you're asking me how how do I not have this yeah, happen but, again? And I'll tell you, Bob, the the way that you have this not happen again is you recognize that when people get angry at you after they've hurt you, it's a promise to do it again. If if they're not horrified at what they did, appalled at their actions, uh, morally um, devastated at, at the harm they've done, and and sit down and and obsess about how to never have it happen again and get therapy and get help and examine their history and apologize and are in tears and with this level of hurt if they're angry at you for blocking the consummation of an affair with a fucking loser intern who's going to leave anyway 
Ooh, an intern. Way to shoot high, honey. <laughs> Way to shoot high. Um, then I've said this before. I've said this before. Avoidance of apology is promise of repetition. Avoidance of apology is promise of repetition. That's probably going to be the biggest lesson in this call that I will draw. But I don't know. You can still blow my mind later. <laughs> Again, yes, avoidance of apology is promise of repetition. Damn. Or, or another way, you know, anger at being caught is promise of repetition, yeah, right? Yeah, well, it's the same thing in different angles, different perspectives, right? Okay, so you decide to set yourself up as like the King Jong-il of your electronic frontier and treating her like a child and child-proofing her vagina by constantly monitoring nope. her electric, uh, electronic com com um, nope. conversations no, 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 no. and so on. And how did that no, no, work out? No. Uh, I'm going to be very, very honest with what I remember happened. I'd, li I'd like to assume that that's, that's just yes, what correct. we're doing. You don't have to keep telling me because if you keep telling me you're, you're going to stop being honest, I'm like, well, what have we been I doing so just, far? I, I just listened to a show a couple of days ago that was recorded years ago. You were saying the same. And sorry, this is just a... I know. I, and just please, <laughs> it, it always unnerves you when people say, okay, Steph, now I'm going to stop being honest with you. It's like, uh... From, from, no, please just... I'm going to assume that you're being honest with me. You don't need to tell me. Go ahead. Uh, from this point on, Eva checked her email in Facebook, I guess, three or four more times. Uh, over the next uh, few months. And uh, I didn't find anything objectionable and I didn't uh, have any complaint. Uh, they, we had this location sharing. Okay, but what was she doing? What was she doing with this mangled piece of ground beef that used to be your heart? Uh, what was she doing to uh, reassure you, to make you feel better about being in a relationship with her? Because you weren't married yet, right? December 24. Right. So how was she how was she how was she uh, providing you restitution for what she had done? How was she earning your December 24 forgiveness? Is the day that I think she began to understand that what she was doing what she was doing before was wrong. I gave her we we were exchanging Christmas gifts. I I, I prepared this really elaborate search through the house and the parking garage and everything for for a gift. And how long after sorry to interrupt uh, how long after the affair was this? December 6th to December 24, 18 days. Okay. I'm sorry, man. You got to just that, that's bear fine. with me the here. The questions are there for a reason. Okay. I'm just, I'm just going to give you my possibly incomprehensible incomprehension. Well, let me finish. Let me tell you what happened. So hang on, hang on, okay, hang on. No, no, oh, I've not, I've not said anything yet. If you could just, just be patient, just be patient. I know you got that 194, <laughs> 140 jetpack going on, but go, just go. let's slow things down a little bit because I don't think rapidity of intellect is the challenge here. So 18 days after you caught her trying to fuck another guy, you set up elaborate, positive, wonderful treasure hunts for Christmas for her. Yes, I did. Does this seem... Sane to you? In retrospect, it does not seem very sane. It does seem like what I should have done is pack my bags and leave. Well, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure this out. Eighteen days. You heard the last guy. Fifteen years, he's still pissed, right? Eighteen days. You're like, hey, you know, it'd be great fun—a treasure hunt for your wonderful array of Christmas gifts, harlot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh my god. That's like an eerily fast turnaround. 
um i mean i i don't why? hold grudges why? that much please hold some grudges please dear god this is not a virtue this is like unbelievable lack of self-protection thank you unbelievable lack of self-protection You know, you don't have to be paranoid to put a lock on your front door and not leave it wide open with your iPad sitting right there in the hallway all night. Just basic self-protection. Lock your car in the city. Basic self-protection. Why are you trying to earn her love when she should be working night and day, Cinderella style, to earn your forgiveness? She was. She was having trouble, but she was half half the time she was very nice, and half of the time she was angry. Ah, uh, no, 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 Bob, Bob, you said I you were going to be honest. honest with me, and you said for weeks afterwards she was angry at you, and we're talking less than three That's weeks right. between the betrayal, you discovering the it betrayal, and Christmas, and you said for weeks afterwards she was angry yes, with you. Is. So you need to keep your story straight and don't bullshit I me. This is too important. If you want me to help you, I'm, I'm happy too. But don't give me this crap. Don't give me this. Oh, no. Well, you know, you don't know. You said for weeks after which she was angry at you because you blocked her having the affair. You talked 18 days. Okay. Right. Between the the uh, the 24th, I assume the 6th or whatever it was in early December. So we're talking less than three Let's weeks. Clarify. It's like two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks later, you're trying to woo her over with elaborate Christmas setup gift things. And you said for weeks afterwards, she was pissed you at you for blocking the affair. And first of all, I need to clarify something. She was pissed at me for 18 days, for sure. Not because I was blocking her affair. That's a conclusion of mine. That's not a fact, right? So that's a conclusion, but it is a fact that she was pissed with me. Oh, you didn't know why she was angry uh, at you? Evidently, I mean, evidently, she wanted to continue the affair. My conclusion points to the fact that, well, that she wanted to continue the affair, right? That's that's why. Wait, how do you know she wanted to continue the affair? Have you ever had a crush, and when you were much younger, and you couldn't, you didn't have the experience? No, but but crushing guilt and being exposed and having a relationship threatened okay, might yes. might kill the boner just a little yes, bit. You know what I mean? True. Uh, I don't know. You have to go back to 22-year-old Steph or something like that around that age. But the important thing, though, is that, yeah, you're, you're actually raising a good point here. Maybe she's angry at me because I pointed out uh, a mistake uh, that she made, right? A thing that she shouldn't have done. And because I represented... No, no, not a mistake. Okay, let's not... Not a mistake. mistake. A mistake is uh, I was sending something to your mom and I put the wrong postal code on by accident and it went to Argentina. Right. I mean, that that's this is a betrayal. Right. You, you got to stay with the word that betrayal. you gave to me yes, in your initial contact. Betrayal, not a mistake. Don't that's stop okay. minimizing. Not trying to minimize the thing that she did. Betrayal. Yes. Yes, you are. No, seriously. You want to be honest with me. Mistake is can be entirely innocent. Okay. Betrayal You're is right not. And yes. Because I represented and whenever she saw me, she remembered that she had betrayed me. That could be a very good reason. No, you don't know that though. You don't know. No, I, I don't. I thought. I thought she told you no, I'm no, angry no, no, at you no, because I wanted to continue no, no, the no, affair. No, 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 no. This is a conclusion that I. Okay, did. so so because I don't know what's what's verified I'm and what's your hypothesis. I'm going to try to be specific about what I, I what I hypothesize, and from this point on, I'm going to try to be specific about what I hypothesize and what I have seen verified. So there's no confusion. Okay. 
Okay, so we don't know why she was angry at you. We just know she has absolutely no right to be angry at you. know that for sure, yes, correct. Okay, okay. So she's still angry at you, and then you set up this elaborate set of Christmas presents for her. Why? Because we've been doing it since the previous year. We had this habit of like... (laughs) Yes, but she did an affair! But I wanted... Because I wanted to stay, I wanted our Christmas to be as happy as possible. And I thought maybe... So you're trying to she she tries to have an affair maybe and fails and maybe she even continued to have try to have the affair I don't know the fact that you have her passwords doesn't mean a whole lot because she knows you have them so she's going to use some other method to stay in touch with the guy she's still going to work where she sees him every day I assume so who knows what no, the no, hell he, he, he happened sorry, he wasn't going but the reality work. is that she has an affair on you and you are trying to woo her and get yes, her to stay uh, and no he wasn't going to work anymore because he was on only a three month internship and I found out when he was already gone from the country so. So there's okay, like, okay. If there's going to be any further affair there, it's going to be something that it doesn't actually go into the physical realm. But yes, that's a possibility, of course. Yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. you can create more than face one more than one Facebook account and okay, got it. Uh, okay, so she betrays you, and you work like crazy while she's still angry at you after she betrayed you to try and woo her. Now my question is. Was there anyone in your life who, when you were doing all of this, was giving you a good old metaphorical ice bat to the nope. penis and saying, why no, are you trying yeah, to woo I'll her? i tell you why. Because I was ashamed of telling my friends, my true friends, I didn't tell them anything. I kept it all secret to myself because I didn't want to be criticized and probably right. didn't want to hear, you know what, you need to, you need to, you need to break off that thing however difficult it is well at least not make a magical christmas for the woman who's upset at you after you found her yeah, cheating you're right you. you're right but and so this conversation uh-huh. is really tough right because you didn't oh. even want to tell your close friends and i appreciate you bringing it up i really do and i i admire you enormously for the courage I, in, I, in having this conversation and and it will be enormously helpful to other people as well as hopefully helpful to you as well i so had many many that. happy times with this woman and i also had many sad times and the sad times that would have reflected badly upon her i always swallowed like shit i never told anyone about anything because i considered that it would be a betrayal of her trust to, to tell people about stuff. I no longer feel that way, but I did feel that way, and I kept it all. I did tell one person. Well, I don't know that she'd have much of a moral leg to stand on if she's talking about betrayal of trust, that's, but uh, that's, sorry, that's go That's how ahead. I am. It doesn't matter what she thinks. That's what I think, right? And uh, we can explore that if you want. Okay, so let's go past Christmas 2013. Oh, sorry, Christmas 2012, and then you got married 2013, right? Right. That day she dropped her knee. Uh, Christmas Day? And that Christmas Day, she dropped to her knees and cried, her, bawled her eyes out and told me, you know, I, you are the best thing that has ever happened to me in my whole life. I can't live without you. Please stay with me. And I said, yes. Right. And I forgave her. A few months passed and she proposed to me. She proposed to me, man. Like complete with breakfast and, and lovely things, and it was it was fantastic. I mean, le- romance romance wise, it was great. There were still things that were a little problematic, 
Wait, sorry. When you say romance-wise, I'm not trying to cheapen it, but do no, you mean no, sexuality? No, I'm talking sexuality. about romance. Sexuality, the, Just sexuality romance wasn't okay, actually much better than before. Uh, that, that kind of sort of like took a permanent hit. So that sucked, but I, I was confident that in time it would get better. I, I, uh, I now realize that having experience is not enough just to make such a thing happen. But anyway, I'm digressing. Okay, so she uh, went. She proposed to you a couple of months right, into 2013. Close to when I was going. And you still hadn't told anyone, not friends, I, not family. Uh, you hadn't told, told anyone one about friend her betrayal. Who actually was my best friend in the U.S., who became the best man of the wedding. He was the best man of my wedding. So your friend. So you told your friend that she had betrayed you and was angry at you when you caught her. And he was, did you tell him before, before she proposed before. to you or yeah. after? Before. And what did he have he to say? He said that it was very sad that this has happened and that he was hoping that I could patch things up and everything would be okay for me. He didn't give me advice. He didn't give me the bat to the balls that you mentioned. Oh, no. He gave you advice. He said, I hope things, I hope you can patch things up. I hope you can stay with her. Yep. That's advice, yes, isn't but it? but not the advice that would have been required in the moment. Remember, bat to the balls? Well, no, he, he may have given you bad advice, but he did give he you did. advice. And do you wish that in hindsight he had given you I different advice? I wish in hindsight I had talked uh, not just to him. I trust him, actually. He, he normally gives good advice, but also to my best friends from my home country. But this was kind yes. of an important one. You're going to get yes. married, which means she can get half and your stuff kind of important why didn't you call me i don't know i never understand this why don't people call me i mean i can't tell you what to do but i might be able to give you some useful perspective she's not bringing me breakfast in bed i can see <laughs> anyway, go ahead oh man i wish i had called you actually we did call once please people out there if you're facing these kinds of problems it's free and it's helpful. No, no, it's, it's not <laughs> free. Everybody has to anyway, go on. You know that. It's important. I know, but it's free in the moment <laughs> okay, to call. Yes. But I, I'm just saying people should donate. Um, I accepted the proposal. It was really lovely. And it was mesmerized. And I was quite happy. And But at this time, I'm, I'm beginning to deal with problems like stress that I have. And I'm beginning to deal with this. Why did you, sorry to interrupt, but why do you think she proposed when she did? I think she realized, okay, I'm going to flatter myself. This is just a conclusion again, a hypothesis. But I think she realized that I was a good person and I was good for her. That if she sought the entire universe, she might find quite a few people like me. But finding someone like me again would have been very difficult. And had she been working to um, restore your trust in her during the time period from December through the couple of months into yes, 2013 absolutely. when she proposed? Uh, she, whenever she went out, she right. sent me messages. I'm going to go out with someone so-and-so-and-so. She would send pictures. No, I know. I know. But but why it happened in the first place? I Sorry. I, maybe I didn't understand the question very well. I definitely would like to get more clear. No. I mean, in terms of trying to figure out what it was in herself – that led her to betray you in this way in the first place. What, uh, what weakness? What, what susceptibility? What, 
issues she had that led her to be capable of betraying you in this way in the first self-knowledge, right? The, the knowing why you did something is the first step to not you having it happen again. Right? Was she's flighty? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Why she betrayed you? Flighty is not the word. <laughs> flighty is the word you use to, to refer, refer to people who like want to go out of whatever it is that they're doing and they're doing it multiple times and it'll become obvious that yeah, betrayal is involved. It's implied. Uh, or at least in my, in my mind. Is. So what you're saying, I think I'm going to cut through this here and no, no she no, hadn't no. done that kind of self-knowledge work to figure no, out why she betrayed absolutely. you in the first place. Okay. See, that's because you're asking me how to have this not happen again. This is the second thing. Merely conforming to your request that she keep you informed about her whereabouts, you know, the, 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 um, the text-based GPS is not going to solve the problem. What is going to solve the problem is her digging really deep into her history and saying, okay, how did I end up in this situation where I ended up betraying a man I claimed that I love and then getting angry at him when he caught me? Right. That, that's, you need people in your life who are going to figure out why they do things that hurt you. Because if they don't have that knowledge, they'll do it again. And a, a, a lack of self-examination is another promise of repetition. Lack of self-examination is another promise of repetition. That's true. Yeah, it is true, man. It's a true fact. All right. So how long did it take for you guys to get married? Yeah, after we she got proposed? married in, in November 2013. November. And then... Uh, at this point, I'd sort of moved on. Actually, problems with me begin at this point. Well, I guess not. They don't begin there, but I begin to have a drinking problem. I I was drinking socially before, but now I was bringing home beer. And I was unhappy about that. So I sought treatment. Because, uh, you know... Well, hang on, hang on. When did you start drinking at home, around bringing home beer? 2012. Not... not no, 2013 would be the, the date, yes. I, to the extent that I remember. So when you didn't break up with this girl, you started drinking. No, I was drinking socially before. No, 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 I understand. You already told me that. I get that. But it started becoming a problem after she betrayed you. When you didn't break up with her, you began to drink to excess. Right. Yes. I apologize for the cuss word, but yes. No, don't worry. That that is the least offensive thing that's happening <laughs> for me. So don't worry about that. You can uh, you can go full tilt. Uh, you can go like uh, you know, sailor had his leg bitten off by a shark cursing if you want. I don't care about that. So I saw, I saw um, it. So, but this is important, right? So you're you're self medicating. Yeah. I can't go to sleep. I can't go through to sleep alcohol every night. 2013, and so sure because you're in danger. That's why. Because you've got a predator. Man, I, I, I a jungle can't go pussy. To sleep. Sorry, you've got a predator in the room, in the house. Listen, I know what insomnia is like. I had it for 18 That's months. a lot of time. Many years ago. 18 months. And uh, I sleep like a baby now. Not this Colin Powell wake up every three hours screaming stuff. But um, no, I know. It's when you are surrounded by friendless betrayers why then you can't sleep because you're not safe it's your body's way of saying it's a good hypothesis 
and it definitely is supported by biology. But I was just going to go with a far simpler hypothesis, which is what's going on in my mind. My mind is racing, and I'm thinking of all these kinds of things at, at, at 1, 2 a.m., and the best way to get them to shut up is to just numb my brain, to get it to stop. Or, or, or be, get into a safe environment. <clears throat> well, I think... This is why self-medication is not the answer. And it didn't turn out to be the answer. Because if you dug into why you were unable to sleep, right? So you, you don't... This, this woman betrays you. She's angry at you. You run after her like some demented poodle trying to keep her without her going through the necessary steps of restitution and apology and all that. And I know the crying hysterical stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actually knowing why you hurt someone. Mm -hmm. And so then you can't sleep. And rather than try and figure that out, you start drinking and then you end up getting married and then you end up getting betrayed again. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was instead of pursuing self-knowledge, uh, I went the medical route. I got the prescription which would kill the the feedback loop, the reward loop of you know endorf endorphins that alcohol releases. The problem with that. Wait, do you mean uh, sleeping pills or psychotropics? No, no, or no, you no, don't have to say. I'm just curious. Naltrexone. You take it with your drinking, mm. and then it blocks the euphoria that alcohol produces, leaving you just dizzy. So it feels bad. The problem with it right. is that it blocks the euphoria of everything. Right, you can't enjoy sex. You can't enjoy a yeah. meal. Right, you're trying to eat something, and it's like, oh, the steak. I know I've had the steak before, and it's incredibly delicious, but I can't enjoy it. It's like I'm eating cardboard. So I stopped using it, and I went back to drinking. That sucks. And and none of this, the the insomnia, the um, mind altering medications, the drinking, none of this gave you any sense that. Your life might be on the wrong path. I did consider that a few times, but I quickly brushed it away because it was too painful to consider. Why? Right. Right. Do you think any of these led to your health problems? I'm sure alcohol must have something to do with it, but I am, I'm also sure that there's probably another cause, but... It's for the doctors to find out. I'm going to the doctors. I'm seeing urologists all the battery of thousands and thousands of dollars. Fortunately, the whole thing is covered by insurance, so ha, I like it. No, not, not fortunately for everyone else who pays no, no, for this that is insurance, insurance, but all right. <laughs> this is now, totally private insurance. <laughs> did she, well, no, but no, I don't mean that. I mean, everyone else on the plan, <laughs> even if it's private, it still has, the costs are, you know, it's not free. Anyway, so when when you were going through these issues of insomnia and, and um, needing pills and, and alcohol and so on, uh, what was your fiance doing? What, what was she up to? What was she thinking? What, what advice Working, was she giving you? Worried that I was drinking too much, trying to help me figure this out, like uh, uh, trying to give me solutions that could counteract this problem. Uh, and uh, during the day, it was never a problem. The problem was at night. And, and I always started drinking after she went to sleep. Not because I was hiding it from her. I was very honest about what I was doing. But because... Uh, well, I, I was I, so insomnia, right? She went to sleep at 12. I went to sleep much later. So when the time came to shut up my brain, I just drank, right? And yes, indeed. So uh, she did try to help me, but I don't think she had the knowledge or experience to, to do so. 
uh, effectively. And uh, it was... Well, if if she was the problem, she's not going to be the solution. Well, if, if she's the problem, then she's not going to be the solution. That's right. Do you think she wasn't the problem? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's a... I think I have to consider the possibility that she was the problem. I really do think I have to sit down and consider that. Well, when did you start no, I, drinking? I've always drank with friends and they, it's been... No, stop the social bullshit. I got it. I got it. Third time you're telling me. Stop it. Let's be direct. You started drinking to excess when you couldn't sleep and you couldn't sleep after she betrayed you, but you didn't break up with her and instead you were trying desperately to get her to stay with you, thus giving her permission I, to I, do it I again. I started drinking uh, heavily in back in, way back in 2008 when I was unhappy about my life. Then I got a... I thought uh, you were wait, telling me you were a social wait, wait, wait. drinker before this problem. I'm going to give you more background. I was a social drinker. During eight, 2008, I was unhappy about my life. Uh, in 2009, I got the big break of going to a, a, just a much better job, and I moved away to a different country. Uh, I stopped. I had a bad relationship. Ah, okay. So hang on, hang on. Sorry to interrupt. So you know that drinking is a sign of being very unhappy with your life. Well, now I know. Well, oh, you didn't know that until now. So in 2008, you were drinking because you were unhappy, but it didn't strike you until much more recently that you were unhappy because you were drinking Could and that's be, your pattern. Right now, I am unhappy, though certainly less unhappy than before, and I'm not drinking. So I guess it's a certain kind of unhappiness. Well, you're getting divorced. So you're unhappy, but if the relationship is the problem, that's why you're not drinking. Mm. I tied it back to when I began treatment for the, the illness that I have. It, it, the desire, the cravings went away almost mm. immediately. Uh, it yeah, could be that. okay. All right, so you got married in so, November 2013, and then you said that she betrayed yeah, you again? Yeah, uh, we had a... a, a for all, in all accounts, we were sort of the perfect couple. People will tell us, "I wish we could have a relationship like so, so, so loving and affectionate." And we publicly and privately very affectionate and loving, and we had good communication. But we could talk about many, many subjects, and we could talk at length about things, or so I thought. Apparently, my for you soon to be ex-wife doesn't think that anymore. She's been rewriting history in her head, or that's how it looks like to me. Uh, hang on, hang on. No, no, don't. What, what does she say? Today she about said the that she, there were had. things that she couldn't talk to me about because she felt like she was afraid of me. That's what she says today. Do you think the fact that um, you'd hidden the fact that she had betrayed you that may have contributed to people's perception that you were the perfect couple? Isn't that the kind of price you pay for hiding people's flaws? Is that people, other people around you can't accurately assess them and give you good advice? Yep, that's quite possible. Not to say 100% true, but yeah, I, I, I'm considering it now. You're, 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 you're onto something here. All right. So how did she betray you again? We moved to a different country. I, I had to bear the brunt of the house because she couldn't work because she had to get a degree. In this country, she can't work without a degree. So she went to college remotely she finished her degree she actually didn't finish college when we were back her country virgin and uh, you paid for all of this but i did pay for uh 
most of the so we continued to because she had large savings like I did. Uh, she continued to pay for half of most of the household costs, but anything outside of it, like going to restaurants, going to going to tra- trips or something like that, and most of the rent was on me. And I said, you know, this is going to be difficult. Wait, she paid half the household costs, but most of the rent was Groceries, on you? Isn't that most uh, of the household internet, costs? Internet, all the recurring costs except for the house. In, in, in This country is very expensive where I'm living in, so... Okay, so you would pay 80% no, of your living expenses, actually. is that right? Yes. Really? Well, then it's it can't be that expensive <laughs> to have. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, so she, she, you, you paid more, but not an overwhelming yeah. majority of the uh, expenses. The, I, the stress and for me got much happened. worse. Uh, uh, we, we, I was already very stressed in the United States. I was concerned with a bunch of things, including the political situation. And we were starting to look for an, uh, an option and out from the U.S. just in case, you know. And we came to visit in 2015, and we liked it a lot. This country is is really a sight to behold. It's a great place. And um, I decided when we came back, like we mutually decided, yeah, we have to move there. So we had the opportunity to move there. We made it happen, and we moved here. I had a better job than before. I was even paying, being paying, paid, paid more, which is great. Uh, but the stress of like trying to sort of like uh, – now I'm really responsible for making sure that the household stays put together because if I lose my job for whatever reason, then uh, we get deported. And so our life falls apart. Not only do we get deported, we probably get separated too because at this point I can't come back to the original country because I no longer have a visa to stay there, right? Uh, damn it, man. And the stress started getting to me and started drinking more and more and more. And uh, there were days where I was. Um, but were you still yeah, taking stopped. the, you know, you stopped taking and the medication, right? Because it made you feel numb. Okay, so you're drinking more and more. And uh, what's uh, she doing? I'm trying to stop. So wow. what I do is I manage to get to one day clean. And then the next day I feel the indomitable urge to continue drinking. And shit starts going down the drain. Now, at this point, I become obsessed with this social justice stuff that's happening at work. Yes, it's it's a thing at work. I, I no longer care about it anymore since I began treatment for whatever I have. But at the time, I was really obsessed about it and started getting into arguments with people at work, right? And I'm starting to feel, I hate my job. I really don't want to work here anymore. I can't wait for my wife to begin working so I can stop and look for another job, right? Well, it turns out that the job was... And why why do you think you got involved in these arguments at work it might have been a i don't know a proxy fight my wife sort of supports some of that stuff because uh, I, I mean that's you know if you're dependent on your job and you can't get fired and then you start engaging useless. in i assume pretty useless, useless but very stressful political yeah. or, or philosophical debates at work. Yeah, that's I was sal- kind of self-sabotaging, right? Me. That's that's correct. Right. So you're saying your 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 body is saying, I don't want the life I've gotten. Uh, I don't like the job that I have. But rather than make any, see, your body will make decisions for you if you don't. You know, and that's you know what, what getting best, sick sometimes you know is. Not always. Not always. Is? I'll tell you right now. I hope your callers find it useful. 
you can't treat your brain like a thing that controls your body because your body is your body is literally a part of your brain and your brain is literally a part of your body and they're more together than you think yeah yeah your body will have a say if you're not assertive and you keep putting your body in punishing situations or your mind in stressful situations uh, at some point your body's going to check you out and it seems to me that the motive of you getting involved in these pointless very escalating kinds of political debates at work is you want to get fired and yeah, you want to not be in the life that you're in. I quit on my own. I did quit. Uh, I, I stated that I was unhappy with uh, things that were not okay. I'm not going to go into details, but I stated that I was unhappy for this and this and that reason, all related to this. Okay. Now we do have six okay, callers I, tonight. So I've asked you a bunch of times, yeah. where does the betrayal two, show up? Uh, That's the important part. Two months after that, uh, my wife sort of started acting funny again. And I, I knew it. Two months after, after I quit. Wait, two months after around, what? Around, uh, sorry, no, a little bit later. Around, around November. Oh, wait a minute. You're no longer the provider. And Maybe. she starts getting interested in other men. Maybe. It, and she okay, uh, go on. goes out with a co-worker in another city at night to the extent that I know nothing happened there because she ended up video calling me at like 1 a.m. I was not happy about that, but I didn't say anything. And she began chatting on Facebook with some guy. I, I'm How not, do you I know that know. nothing happened? That. But this, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Well, you said and you knew. divorced. So... Uh, uh, I start seeing her chatting on Facebook with someone else. I know it's someone else because that someone else is in the same time zone I am, right? And uh, she's smiling when she's chatting with him. And I am, I am, I look, and then when she notices that I'm looking at her, her smile wipes away and she locks her phone. And uh, things are like really crappy at home. She's snippy and I am a mess. I am literally a mess. Quitting my job was the worst thing I could have done because that was like the one thing supporting me in making sure that I don't fall into a complete disaster. Now I'm waking up every morning. Sorry, bullshit. I'm waking up every afternoon at 1.30 p.m. And uh, I am hungry. I'm going to go to the fridge. Oh, there's nothing because I didn't buy anything to eat. So I'm just going to crack the beer that I, the last beer that I left over yesterday when I was. Wait, is your wife, your wife is working at this point, right? Okay, so it's your and job to do the groceries shit. and all that. I'm not, and you're doing, not doing anything, it. Steph. I'm not even showering, right? I was just right. sitting on the couch doing nothing, Ooh. sleeping on the couch. I don't even want to go sleep on my bed. So I sleep on the couch. I have So you're kind of, you're really falling apart here, right? And yeah, sure enough, you know, right. December 4th arrives and I sit on the same couch. I'm sitting on the same couch right now that I... December oh, 4th. the anniversary. Yeah, four years, man. Incredible. Four right? years, right? And I sit there and say, okay, this is happening. You're chatting on Facebook with this guy. I have no idea who he is. Uh, but you're, you're smiling when you're chatting with him. And then uh, when I show up, you lock your phone. And you're, so what's going on? And she says, no, the thing is we've been having problems. And I've been telling my friends about the problems that we have. And I'm like, that doesn't explain while you're smiling when you're chatting on the phone. If you're talking about problems, the last thing you would do is smile. And then she blurts it out, matter-of-factly. A few days ago, I kissed another man. And at this point, man, I, I do 
I, I say, I, I just floored again. And images rushing through my mind. And the only thing I actually managed to say, and very calmly say, okay, I know now what we have to do. We're going to break up, and you are going to leave. She screamed, why should I be the one that leaves? And I'm like, because I am not the person who kissed another man. Packed her bags, left, straight to that house of that guy. Yeah, she. Oh, really? I know that because she left her tablet. Straight to his house. She left the door. She closed the door. Bling, and I saw a notification from this guy. And she's not hiding it. But I don't understand how you well, know that means she went I do know that she house. went to his house because a couple of co-workers, friends of mine, have confirmed it for me that she's staying there. I'm not sure if she's staying there still. But I, I can tell you for a fact that she did go there for that week at the very least. And people offered people offered So she couldn't yeah, even stand one night offered her, without a guy. Why don't house. you come stay to our in our place? You don't have to stay at that, that guy's house because this, you know, the the friend of mine who made that kind of offer he's has a has a girlfriend and everything and he Now let me just 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 let me just stop you here for a second just to mention something which is that look your your wife soon to be ex-wife may hear this and I just wanted to let her know I'm aware I'm only getting one side of the story I'm I'm aware of that I know it's I mean I'm 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 just aware of that and she would have different takes on a whole bunch of this stuff Um, I'm not saying who's right or who's wrong I just want everyone to be aware that um I'm also getting one I'm only getting, and you're only getting one side of the story. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not doubting what you're telling me. I'm just, you know, the emphasis that the, the, what, what's being said and motives and so on um, would be open to question by the other person. So I just wanted to mention that before, before we go on. But she went straight to this other guy's house. To my understanding, house. And to what people have confirmed me, yes, oh. she did. No, I mean, seriously, uh, a week after yeah, she's that, she was at airports, hands I guess. Hands All right. in the office. I know that because I came by the office, a friend's invited me to just to have fun. So this is a, this is a guy. Hello? This is the guy. This is the kind of quality of the guy that she's just broken up with her husband. And he's like, yeah, come on over. Let's hold hands a week later because that's going to just work out so well. There's Yikes. probability that's not that's going rough. to work out, and it's going to be so bad for her. Right. Right. I mean, I'm not justifying anything she did, but no, you, you weren't exactly even the I most appealing want to guy to myself, be around Steph, even I wouldn't over, want to over be with this myself time period either, right? December 2016. No, but this is your body saying, leave me, leave me, leave what? me. What? Oh, God. I'm not even going to shower until you go. This is the price of being passive, is your oh, body shit. takes over. For God's sakes, I'm I'm turning into an old gym sock beanbag of a husband. You must leave me. You must not have sex with me. For God's sakes, did you even brush your teeth? Don't kiss me. I'm going to eat all the legumes I can get my hands on, and I'm going to fart around like a little jetpack's been tied to my ass. 
Don't come close to me. It's over, but I can't tell you, so I'm going to tell you with body odor. I am completely unconscious of that, but it does sound like a plausible thing. So it makes sense, actually. No, it's not. Well, you know, it's not appealing. <laughs> I gained, dude, I gained 15 pounds over the course of last right. year. I, mean, I where was is carrying that? Where around is that? a watermelon on my stomach. It's as if I just gone into a store, stole a watermelon by swallowing it whole, and then snuck out of sure. the back door without me not paying for the watermelon. Love, love is keeping. Yeah, there's something very fundamental about love. Love means staying appealing to your partner. You know, I don't work out so much and do all these sit-ups because I I think I'm going to be modeling some Calvin Klein underwear. I do it because I wish my wife to continue to find me attractive, and I'm fighting time. Time is pulling me down, turning me into a tent. <laughs> and and so one of the things that happens when people fall out of love is they stop taking care of themselves. They get fat, uh, they, they don't exercise, they don't eat well, uh, they, they, their sleep becomes disordered because they're not happy and they're not working to keep themselves appealing to their partner. You must stay appealing to your partner. And if you love your partner, you want to stay appealing to your partner because that's kind of what marriage is all about. <laughs> you know, it's, you, your partner should find you attractive. That's kind of important. So um, when people let themselves go, they are preparing for a Maybe. split, it, in my experience. It might be the case. I got to tell you this, though. I do feel extremely guilty about that because I know, I consciously know, and I am aware of the fact that part of the promise that I made when I got married is to, to love and honor and respect her. And that includes taking care of myself. Yeah, she kissed another guy. You know, she she kissed another guy. Sorry. It doesn't mean that you're entirely without agency in the matter, Bob, but um, you were falling apart and she went and she didn't wait, help no, wait, wait. you, she, right? She didn't try and sit down with you night and day and figure out what the hell was. I'm, I'm still talking. She didn't sit down and figure out night and day she what the hell was going on with you and how times. she could make things better. Kate, please go to therapy. No, I know, but you do it until it works. You do it until it works. Well, I tried. I uh, do or don't do, right? That's the old saying goes. It's not that old, I guess. There is no try, right? So, no, you, 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 you say, oh, well, I asked a couple of times. So what? So what? You, you keep, if you love someone and they're falling apart, you, you, well, you I do whatever you need to do until case. it works. So, it's a mood right? Well, so, so good. Then you don't need to feel guilty. Now, you may need to feel like there's some lessons to be learned, which is why we're talking. But as far as guilt goes, you know, if she kind of gave up on you and ended up stepping out and kissing another guy and then running over to his bed the moment you booted her ass out, well, uh, I don't think guilt is the appropriate motion. Frustration at your own well, passivity uh, is kind of see, what I'm angling for here, Bob. after that, I woke up suddenly, again, super late, woke up, <gasps> sit up. And I'm like, this is not me. What the fuck am I doing with my life? There's got to be something wrong. And I started, uh, I started thinking about this. And it's just, I, there's got to be something. Some, some, there's got to be some medical issue. There's this, I can't, I can't, I can't continue like this. I'm gonna drink myself to death. So I went to the doctor. I actually made an appointment the next day. I went to the doctor, and I sat down and I told the doctor, I have no energy, literally no energy. Man, I can't, couldn't walk 50 meters without getting winded. I'm, I, I'm not 40, right? Couldn't walk 50 meters without getting with. I caught up with... Dude, dude, I, I'm 50. 
I can do 25,000 steps in a day and I'm fine. Yes. So don't give me it, the response. Exactly what what doesn't I'm happen at 40. Anyway, go on. I go to the doctor's office. It's 150 meters away with the last ounce of energy I have. And in the waiting room, I fall asleep because I was so tired. And the doctor, like, say, let's do this. Check my heart. Check my kidneys. Check my liver. And for God's sake, check all the hormones, please, in a full blood panel. And sure enough, Friday, 23rd, December, the best Christmas gift anyone has ever given me. A blood panel showing elevated uh, liver enzymes, uh, ketosis, uh, not, not being eating for two days, right? For, for two weeks, just not eating. I actually lost the belly in December. And uh, sure enough, testosterone. Half the testosterone of a 90-year-old man. Yes, you know, Steph. No, I'm not Swedish. What are you, Swedish? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but but I could have been. <laughs> you know what they say, you know, uh, this expression, you, know, you got, you got, it takes balls to do this, right? To, to do this kind of thing. It takes balls, right? Uh, I know yeah, that yeah. people speak about that metaphorically, but in my case, it was literally true. No, testosterone is associated with assertiveness, if not downright aggression, and um, it is uh, um, it, it is a big go getter for for men, right? It's a very uh, and it's an environmental hormone, as far as I understand it. I'm no doctor, but um, it, it responds to environmental cues. So if you had a testicle vampire, a, a testosterone I vampire in, in your midst, then I yeah, uh, it's, going to, it's going to it's going to go down. That thing could have progressed very very slowly. Uh, over the course of one year or more, easily. So uh, there there might be a physical cost for it. Right. Then again, it might be environmental. You're right. Uh, so the, we have to rule everything out. That's the job for the doctors. And for me to be patient and be stuck with needles and shit like that that I hate, but I have to do it. I understand now. It's 2017. I can't go about my life not taking care of myself, right? And uh, honestly, uh, it, it was a sea change because as soon as I got the treatment, Man, my cravings for drinking stopped. I still have triggers, particular situations that will make me want to drink. But I don't want to bring beer home. I don't care. I I don't smoke anymore. I quit smoking again. I I taken up smoking again. Yeah. Yes, I was smoking too. Oh man, you were smoking too. Not eating, drinking, smoking like that's the full on leaving yep. Las Vegas uh, well, in, no, in, in my a case, pine box diet, going, right? I was probably going to leave it in a in a plexiglass box because pine would have been too expensive. Um, in the oh yeah, damn it, that's difficult to say. I'm sorry, but you know, it's ended up joining the gym. Now I'm doing gym regularly, exercising. I've doubled my strength in a month, which I'm very proud of, very happy. And uh, lost a lot of weight, and I'm looking better every day. This is a slow slog because I'm not young anymore, but I have to do it. I have to do it. And uh, ultimately, uh, right. I I have had the, the 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 impulse to contact my wife and and tell her you know let's make things work let's make things happen and I have done that I have done that I have done that I have done <gasps> that I'm telling you yes yes I have yes, but I you have, have done that you have contacted her and said but this conversation is is putting a new light in my mind that I didn't have before because ultimately what I want is for my life. Do you, do you do you think that that listen? This is not about 
just blaming your wife and, and she's the... Do you think that you're good for each other? Do you... Do you help each other be better My and wife? healthier and happier people? Not in moments, but I will in the you, arc. I will tell you... In the trajectory. In the trajectory of the five years that we've known each other, I have undoubtedly helped her be a better person. And she has unresolved issues. And she has helped me... Be, oh, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Oh, no, 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 no. Are you saying that betraying your husband for the second time and going straight over to some lover's house after he kicks you out? This is this is her. This is the upgraded no, her. Upgraded this her is the better her. As soon as she was gone, as soon as, soon as I was gone, because the upgraded me was also gone. 2016 was a disaster. The only good thing about that is that I made a bet on Donald Trump and it paid off like six six sixteen x. So. I made a couple of thousands of dollars that way. That's the only thing that's good about 2016. Everything else is crap. Okay, so so no, don't tell me about how... Do I mean, fuck, fuck, man. You almost died. This relationship, you almost died. Do you get that? Half the testosterone of a 90-year-old man? Could barely make it 150 meters, weren't sleeping, drinking, smoking, putting on weight. Not, you hadn't had a meal in two weeks. Your only calories were coffee, Coca-Cola, alcohol, alcohol and nicotine. And nicotine? <laughs> okay, Coca-Cola. Fuck. You almost died. Do, do you get what your body is telling you? This is not a vagina. This is quicksand. Vagina dentata. You are not good for each other, in my outside humble opinion. You almost died. And you want to go back? Well, I've got one more leg. Maybe the sharks are still hungry. I'm going back for a swim right off the Great Barrier Reef where they're throwing all that chum into the water. Going to step over all of the bodies that are there before. And then I go, cage, no. What, don't you care whether the sharks get something to eat? Got a good leg right here. Anderson Cooper, move out of the way. I'm going to go hug me a great white. Come on, man. Come on. Snap out of it. Thank you. Yeah. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. It's going to kill you. Okay. Now for the question that I asked you, which is the important thing, the background was necessary for you to give me a good answer, I guess. It's going to be a good answer, I think. How the fuck do I prevent myself from falling into something like this ever again? How do I find... I want to... I'm 37 now. I'm not 31. I wasted... What? Six years of my life. No, 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 no. Worse than wasted. See, if you, if you waste your time, you know, let's say you spent the whole time playing video games, you wouldn't be heartbroken well, and almost dead at this two point. Months. I'm no longer almost dead. I can hike up a mountain and I did it and I go to the gym and I'm going to see okay. a therapy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay, know okay. But you almost died. Okay, so if you just wasted, see, you've got to escalate this to DEFCON 6000. 
You don't get the urgency of the close call that you just had. You don't, you're not freaking out enough. You almost died. Arguably from the stress of a relationship from an unconstant woman who betrayed you repeatedly, who did not help you, and from friends who didn't intervene to help you. Listen, if someone I love, Bob, is going through what you're going through, do you know what I'm going to do? What, what, what do you think I would do if you were my close friend? Pull me aside and tell me, what the fuck what are you doing? What would I do? What's wrong with you? Come on, let's sit down. I don't know. I don't know if I'd come at it that aggressively. But I tell you what I would do is I would go to your house with a sleeping bag and I would stay until we figured out what the oh, fuck was going on. I would not rest. I would not stop. I would not sleep. I would sit up mm -hmm. all night and we would talk. And we would figure out what That's the right. fuck was going on with your life. That, to me, is caring for someone. It's not letting them just slide down into the pit of death. What do you think of this that friend was... who say, well, I hope you can fix it. And I, I hope you can work it out with her. And I think you should stay with her. At the moment her. of crisis that I had in 2016, I really didn't have very many friends that could come over. Probably none that would do that. Because I am new in this country. Okay, so, so this is the issue. This is the issue is you've got to stop going it alone. You hid what your girlfriend did from your family and from most of your friends. Stop doing that. Stop Thanks. flying solo. Stop trying to go it alone. We are a tribal species. We all got to sleep and other people have got to watch to I make sure some that. fucking lion doesn't chew our face off in the night. To my friends on Facebook, I already contacted numerous friends of them to ask them for advice. They almost, every single one of them has told me, you know, what you need to do is stop worrying about that. Say, thank your lucky stars that you're no longer in this relationship that was destroying you. They've said that. My friends have said that, yet. Right, but why not? Why don't you, you do it anyone? before you How almost die? Okay. I know, and I'm telling you, stop doing that. Stop hiding everything like you've got some oh, guilty, secret. guilty secret. Lean on people, ask for help, connect. This is the old E.M. Forster line, one of my favorite novelists. Only connect. Well, just for one book, A Room with a View. The rest aren't that great. But anyway, only connect, connect, connect. What about your family, first parents, affair, anyone, parents, anyone? My father, my father was unavailable because my father had mistreated her while we were in our home country. And I told them, you can't disrespect my girlfriend like that. And that's not cool. And you need to apologize. He yelled at her. Why? What do you mean she, he mistreated she, my, my her? Dad, for some, my, my dad has a dysfunctional relationship with one of her sisters. It had, no longer. And uh, that sister put ideas in my, my dad's head saying... Uh, it, she's like she's horrible she's a bad person blah 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 and she doesn't help in the house she, of course she didn't have to help in the house we were guests so my dad yelled at her said you know you don't do the dishes you don't do laundry and everything it's like my wife doesn't have to do that we're guests here we'll do our laundry but we don't have to do dishes. no we were there for a week but you were there for a while right yeah no we ended up 
Oh, I thought at it was the, a month. At the end okay, of the sorry. first week, I thought you said you went back home for a month. To a hotel because I told my dad, you can't disrespect my girlfriend this way, and you need to apologize to her. And he said that he wouldn't go. He wouldn't apologize. And I told. Oh, so you're very assertive with your father, and you demand apologies from your father, but you make extra special Christmas fun hunting for the woman who had an affair on you. Very assertive with your father, but he's got to apologize. But if your girlfriend is angry at you for catching at her having an affair... Well, she gets extra my, special my Christmas treatment, right? My father is back right? in my life since then. And yes, yes. I understand. No, no, but I you understand, understand what, what I'm saying. Yes, I understand that. It's, it, there is no good explanation for that. There's no virtuous explanation for that. No, there's, like, there's a good explanation for it. No virtuous explanation for that. Yeah, because... Because she's giving you sex. Uh, yes, that's the case, yeah. And you got dicknapped. Yeah, I understand. Which I means understand kidnapped by your penis, dicknapped. I, I don't really I'm want to I'm still trying to make it a thing. Anymore. It really should be. Yeah. I don't really want to... I mean, no, just for others, I, mean, I know you I'm easy discussing any sexual details, but uh, I wasn't exactly sexually happy with her in any case. But but yeah, I mean, I I open the possibility. I'm open to the possibility that. No, I, I understand that. I mean, I understand that. that. No, sex sex is the last thing to go usually. Well, after the sex goes. It's uh, yeah, so usually done. But anyway. actually, he did apologize, and uh, he he came to visit us, and since then I've had a pretty good relationship with my dad, and my dad has given me very good advice lately. But he was right. Now, the things that he said, like he was were right. absolutely wrong. The instant. No, but he was right about her. When? No, he, well, he had he, a problem with her, right? He didn't like her. His sister didn't like her. She had a problem with him, and my dad tends to do whatever the sister says. Yeah. Oh, so what? But he how, yelled at her, this right? This is the dysfunction in my father's family. He has a. I understand. I understand. Okay, I don't want to get. I know I can't. I can't do that. I, I can't open up that kettle. I can't. No, I appreciate that, and I I'm sorry that I I went that direction. I cannot go into your family history because again we got yep, four go more on. callers. But but here's the thing. Your father didn't like her because he yelled at her. Now you could say, well, he was motivated by someone, but yes. he's the one who did it, right? And this is important because there are people around you who can watch your back. When I couldn't sleep. I was in a relationship that was not good for me. In what sense? Not good for me. But the, but but that, hang on, but that was only a symptom of the real problem, which is that I was surrounded by people who weren't telling me the relationship wasn't good for me. Now, why weren't they telling me my relationship wasn't good for me? They were telling, they weren't telling me my relationship was bad for me. Because the same principles applied to them. Because if they were to be able to see and say, why my relationship was bad, it would have exposed the negative qualities in my relationships with everyone around me at that time. Everything is a structure. Everything is a house of cards. Like attracts like. You can't usually just have one bad relationship. It's all. It's all bad. If you're stuck in one dysfunctional relationship in general, it's because all your relationships 
are dysfunctional. It's a symptom, right? The, 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 the problems in the romantic relationship mirror the problems in all your relationships. Because if you have good, strong, healthy relationships with people and someone comes along who's bad for you, they'll sit down and work you through it until you get it. Okay. And people who don't care about you enough to fly over and sit with you for a week, if that's what it takes to save you, that's the challenge. That's what you need. And the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Without massive, significant, enormous, brain-busting efforts, people mostly photocopy yesterday and pretend it's tomorrow. What people will do to you in the future is almost always composed of pretty much exactly what they've done to you in the past. There are exceptions, and the exceptions are when people really dig in and burrow down and, and go deep and understand, and this takes a long time. This takes a long time. I was in therapy for almost two years, three hours a week, and another 10 hours a week of journaling and thinking and writing and looking at my dreams, and right? It is a big, giant effort. It is easier to get a PhD than get a high school education in self-knowledge. Oh, so if you want to know how people are going to treat you tomorrow, look at how they treated you yesterday. It's really not terribly complicated. Things are a lot simpler than we think. The empiricism of the everyday is almost certainly the train track of where today goes in the future. People aren't helicopters. They aren't brownie in motion. They aren't dancers. They aren't ice skaters on an infinite lake. They're train tracks. They're trains on tracks. They don't even have the flexibility of cars. They're trains on tracks. In the absence of significant self-knowledge, you can't jump the track. You just go where you go with very little choice, with very little option. People are self-managing. They're self-medicating. They're running away from anxiety. They'll do almost anything to avoid the panic of their own non-existence if they're stuffed full of cliches and dependence and illusions and uh, neediness, right? The neediness that comes from emptiness. People will... Uh, many people will rather die than face their own emptiness, and that's where you came close to. Because the question is, the question is, Bob, why was this the best that you could do? Why was this the best that you could do? The insecurity that you must have regarding your own sexual market value meant that you had to take a woman who clearly was not reliable, was not trustworthy, and you had to pump her full of so many imagined virtues to justify your dependence on her that you were blind to the dangers of your mutual interdependence. And you had to pretend that you were skating, skating on thick ice when you were skating on thin ice. You had to imagine that she had all of these wonderful qualities in order to maintain your dependence on her. And I believe, it's just my theory, but I believe in what you've told me, Bob, is that you were white knighting her the whole time. When she fainted in that airport, she owned you. You understand? She needed you so much you couldn't leave because you're there to serve her needs. As men are raised, raised to serve the needs of women. Oh, do you like migrants? Here you go. 
Oh, do you want a giant welfare state? Here you go. Oh, do you need national debt because you don't want taxes to go up, but you want all this free stuff? Here you go. Let's sell off the next 12 generation to Chinese banksters. What do you need, honey? What do you need, honey? Can I get some eggs? Can I get access to some eggs? What do you need? What do you need? Let me serve you. Let me serve you. Let me serve you. Muslims bow to Mecca. We bow to vagina. And you knew how much she needed you, which is why you gave her all the choice and said nothing and asserted nothing. She needed you. She needed you. She fainted when she had to get on a plane without you. Why? Better better stay with her because she really needs me. Oh, my father has a problem with her. Well, that's it. Dad, we're leaving. I'm defending her. <laughs> Cecil the White Knight rides in on his white horse. You know what happens to balls when you ride a horse too long? They go from outies to innies. And then they stop giving you a testosterone, as you found out. You are there. You were raised to serve women. This is the great challenge of men. This is the great challenge of men. Women will tell you they want you to serve them, but they don't want you to serve them. That's nonsense. That's about as real as four pounds of Kleenex and a padded bra. Women will say, serve me. They don't want you to serve them. That's how they weed out the cucks from the women, from the men they really want to have sex with. Oh, I'm going to drop my handkerchief and see how many cucks come to race and pick it up. Well, I'm not fucking any of those. Saw a comment on YouTube today. It was a guy talking about uh, Sweden. And I've heard these kinds of comments before. I passed them along with all due advisement. That... um, I don't know for sure whether it's true or not. But I'm going to see if I can find it. These are usually a little tricky to find after the fact. And (laughs) YouTube does not uh, seem to do searches all too well uh, in this kind of stuff. Uh, It's it's hard uh, hard to find for these kinds of things. So anyway, so what he said was he said, yeah, I knew Sweden was finished in the 1970s when I was there because there'd be all these guys at parties and they all be so nice and conciliatory and friendly. Oh, oh, can I get you a drink and so on? Why? Because they wanted to have sex with the Swedish women. But it never worked. He said every single time the women would end up going home with the assholes who kept who, yelling who at them to show them that giving a woman their a free tits. drink is going to lead to sex that's an idiotic thing to believe it's not that it's not no <laughs> no it's not about that women saying they want you to serve them and defer to them is a test of worthiness and it's a way of weeding out weak men i tell you this from the very bottom of my spine where it meets the dangly bits So you served her. You paid for things. You made lovely little Christmas hunteroos for her. You served her. You defended her. And what happened? She wanted to fuck other men. Stop it. 
Stop it. It's not good for you and it's not good for women. I say this not just to you, but to other men out there. Stop it. And they'll get mad. And they'll get mad. What are you supposed to do? You've got to be a gentleman. Come on. We have we have the entire example of what's going on around the Western world right now. Right now. Gone. Let me finish. This isn't just about you. Although it's very important for you. Stop serving women. Stop it. It is going to be the end of all of us. And it, it, women aren't going to be happier either. If men bent themselves into emasculated pretzels trying to serve every possible need and whim of women, say no. They're actually big girls. They can handle it. They'll be fine. They'll be absolutely fine. Just say no. Just say no. And this whole thing, oh, let's make, make sure more women are comfortable. Let's, let's make sure that women are never upset or inconvenienced or unhappy. Let's give them welfare state and free, free health care. And, and let's, let's make sure that they get alimony and child support and totally friendly courts. And let's not send them to jail. And even if they accuse prominent Canadian broadcasters falsely of doing all this sort of stuff, let's never prosecute them for perjury because they're girls and we got to keep them safe and warm and happy. And that's how we lose civilization. And that's how women lose the basic self-protection of good Western men. So this is really, really important. If women need to be coddled and protected and, and kept safe and can never be upset and, and are so needy and so desperate and so pathetic that we've got to ring them all with giant government programs and free money invented by bullshit artists, then we have no respect for women. No respect for women. I don't want my daughter to grow up and go out in a world where everybody paves her every step with silk slippers and rose petals and gold and God. They're human beings. It's okay to say no to women. In fact, it's really, really important to do that. Want another giant social program? No. Oh, do you think you should live in style to which you become accustomed in your old age because you didn't really pay that much into a pension and you live like undead crypt keepers who can't be killed with asteroids? It's not enough money. Stop robbing from the poor. You don't have enough. You gave your money to the government. The government spent it all. Now there's none left. Sorry, ladies. It sucks, but that's the price called adulthood and responsibility. Can we stop treating women like infants? Can we stop it? For God's sakes. She fainted at an airport. She must love me. No. That's hysteria. And maybe even manipulation. Because then she owns you. And she controls you. And she can want to fuck another man. And in less than three weeks, you're building her nice little ornaments of lovey-dovey bullshit at Christmas. And then your balls say, well, fuck it. If we're going to behave like a, a, a eunuch, why bother produce, producing testosterone? It's kind of a waste at this point. If you're not going to use the balls, why bother fueling them? Stop serving women. Everyone, for God's sakes, please, please, I beg of you, stop serving women. Yes, there might be some upset and, and, and there might be things, oh, we're going to, so what? So what? You know you know who gets upset? Men who are drafted and have to go to fucking war. And I don't see anyone going too insane about all of that. That only stopped because the army fell apart in Vietnam and it wasn't productive to draft people anymore, men. And if it was productive to draft men, it sure as hell would still be happening. Say no to women, everybody. Learn to say no to women. If you can't say no to women, evolution will say no to your entire fucking civilization.
you are completely no, and absolutely Sorry, correct about everything you said, except for one thing. I did not pay for things for her. She was always independent. And the only moment where I took the responsibility or partial responsibility for the household uh, was when she wasn't working. But I do have to confess that if I had to have taken full responsibility of the household, yes, because I, uh, that's the pattern all the that, gossip I, that was imprinted on me while I was that. growing up, primarily by my mother, right? My father and mother's relationship. So yes, uh, probably would have done that, but I didn't. And she always prided herself herself being independent, and I respected that. Um, but yes, about everything else you said, I agree. All right. Well, I hope that this was helpful. I really, really appreciate your honesty <laughs> and thank you for letting me get my rant on. And I hope that you'll let us know how things go. And, and thanks, of course, for all of your uh, interest in the show over the years. I'm very, very, very glad and honored. I'm very, very happy that I had in. the chance to talk to you. It's very rare, the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation that really blows your mind. And this has been one of those. I hope that you do really well continue to make the show successful and help people. You've helped me a lot. I told you already in 2013 and I'll tell you again. I'm Thank very you. glad. Have a good day. I listen to the rest All of the right. show. Thank you very much and let's move on to the next caller. All right, up next we have Adam. Adam wrote in and said, With the recent events of the 2016 presidential election and its results, I find myself as a former Marxist completely shifted on most issues I used to have a firmer stance on. Went from a militant anarcho-communist to a principled anarcho-capitalist, and now find myself leaning towards concepts of nationalism and Americanism. I do not believe in nationalized health care, believe in unregulated free market, and I supported Donald Trump's bid for the presidency, just to name a few. How can I engage with and still respect friends and loved ones when met with a surprising amount of hostility and hate concerning my new positions? That's from Adam. Uh, it's actually Stefan. Oh, Steph, sorry, sorry, Stefan. Yeah, no problem. My bad. No problem. I, I really should stop keeping my name such a secret to everyone because it is it is <laughs> quite a challenge. You know, five letters, all of which oh, are my. Um, easy to. Anyway, yeah, it's kind of funny, you know, and I just wanted to start off with a, a little bit of story. So so back in the day, uh, Ron mm -hmm. Paul, yeah, I'm sure you've heard yeah. of Ron Paul. So Ron Paul was, was running running for office and was like getting barely in the single digits in terms of support. And... Um, I was not a huge fan, you know, I, I can count, was not a huge fan of it. But, you know, I said to people, go for it if you believe uh, that you uh, want to. Then um, then go for it. Just, you know, put put it all out there. And so it's funny. And I got a lot of criticism from libertarians because um, because I wasn't supporting Ron Paul. And and then when I became quite keen and interested in some of Donald Trump's uh, ideas, I got uh, a lot of criticism from from who? Yes, from libertarians. And libertarians said, I can't believe you're supporting Donald Trump. You didn't support Ron Paul right now. <laughs> so Donald Trump uh, is um, is promising to cut massive amounts of regulations, up to 75%. And uh, he actually has passed an executive order saying that for every regulation that's passed, two have to be cut. Yeah, huge fan of that one. Yeah, I mean, that's significant. He's put in uh, no lobbying bullshit, right? That seems important, although that might... Yeah, and and but here's the important thing. So he's putting in some... So there seems to be some orders coming down regarding uh, welfare uh, and limiting welfare for illegal immigrants and possibly even for, 
for immigrants uh, for the first little while and so on. Now, a lot of these ideas come directly out of Ron, Ron Paul. So it's funny about libertarians. <laughs> And just, you know, I, I hate to laugh because I kind of understand that until you get this perspective, uh, it's easy to be all prissy and fussy and bullshit and outraged. But it's like, wow, you didn't support Ron Paul and his policies when he had no chance of winning. And now the guy that you supported is implementing Ron Paul's policies and you're still an asshole, Steph. Ah, so you are like a hyper kinetic neurotic woman. You just can't be pleased, people, can you? I didn't support him when it was impossible for him to get his policies passed. And now the guy I supported is implementing a lot of Ron Paul's policies. But apparently I'm still betraying the movement. <laughs> I just think that's pretty funny. <laughs> Sorry. I just I mean, I, I get in the moment. It's kind of easy to get swept up in that mob mentality. But it's just just kind of funny. Hey, what are you doing actually getting Ron Paul's? Policies implemented, you traitor. <laughs> anyway, go yeah, on. yeah, it's a bit, it's a, bit, a little bit like people who went for a lot of libertarians who rallied behind Gary Johnson. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I was on board for a little while uh, in the beginning. I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm I'm also Canadian, by the way, so I didn't, I obviously couldn't vote. I don't know that it's a great marketing strategy to refer to yourself as the stupidest person this reporter is ever going to meet. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, dang, yeah. Or that sticking was, your uh, tongue out. Oh, uh, uh, I don't even know. What was he doing? Just, what was he doing? I don't even know what he was. Did he lose a bet or something? No, I, no, I he was saying that you know, I could talk like this. And I, I, mean, I just, I think that you just, you know, it's basic optics. Now, I can, I can play the fool because I'm not running for office. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. You know that that's going to be. Uh, played played over, right? I thought it would have been a lot more interesting for libertarians to, uh, or at least the American Libertarian Party, to choose John. Um, sorry, what was his name? Uh, uh, McAfee. If McAfee had uh, been their candidate, it would have, not that I would have supported him, but it would have been a lot more interesting because the man's backstory is like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think there was yeah, no, there was something uh, involved. He's got he's got an exciting history, but it certainly would have been fun to watch that uh, expert in security. Uh, talk about uh, um, the hacks and the emails and the Hillary Clinton server. I mean, he he would have just wiped everyone with his technical knowledge, and it would have been a, a, a pretty a pretty sight to watch. Anyway, help me help me understand this anarcho-communism thing. Uh, and and just for the record, I've talked about this before that uh, people who are into the Venus Project and into anarcho-communism, if you want your Marxist mommy big tit robot cities, that's fine. You can have all of that. You want to commune together. You want to buy some land and you want to set up a place where you've got no ownership of anything and no money and it's all owned in common and you can, you know, spread your STDs as much as you want. But I just don't want to have to pay for them. So you can have all of these experiments in how to be in a free society. Problem is, once you get a state, you can't have any experiments that are not state-based or at least state-compliant. So um, a free society allows for anarcho-communism. It allows for uh, the Venus Project. It allows for socialism, if you want. Uh, it allows for all of these wonderful experiments. And if you're really trusted in these things, you'd be happy with that. But generally, most people are like, well, I've got this great idea. How's it going to be implemented? Guns! Oh, well, I, I, then you don't really think it's a great idea, do you? <laughs> Sorry. But, but, mm. So tell me a little bit more about this anarcho-communism thing, just to make sure I have the uh, uh, the down low of, of how it works. Well, um, if I can just sort of explain to it, 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 it really starts with um, a lot of anarcho-communism starts with Peter Kropotkin. Um, and he's sort of an evolutionary biologist, if I can remember correctly. It's been a while since I've like really delved into a lot of his teachings. He wrote the book on um, mutual aid, a factor of evolution, conquest of bread. 
fields and factories and workshops. And he was, yeah, he was a, he was an avid, he was an advocate of, I think, violent volunteerism, but he was also anti-capital, right? He didn't believe in money. So there, there's, what do you mean he didn't, believe? oh, he just thought money was bad, like a tool of the, yeah, he just, yeah, just completely limited capital. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Collectivized. But uh, he didn't, he didn't think you needed a big giant state to ban money, did he? Well, you see, that's a, that's the weird thing. That's why I kind of uh, oh, that remains the... somewhat undefined in his. That seems to me kind of an important part. Do you need a big giant terror apparatus to force people not to use conch shells for money like they did in Africa up until about a hundred years ago? Because that seems kind of important. You know, like the Marxist thing. Oh, don't worry, we'll have this big giant totalitarian dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, but at some point, it's all just going to wither away. It's like you know that last part seems like. Something you should kind of work on a little bit, because if you just end up with this big totalitarian state, I don't really think how this withering away thing is going to be that great. Well, the um, what was it? The revolution in Spain that there was uh, anarcho-communists involved in there, and they had a very similar sort of localized production that things would be localized and they would evenly be distributed among locally sort of thing. And that was the the more anarchistic principle of of that. Um, but, uh, the, trying to understand how that's implemented, it's just, it's a little confusing. Um, and that's kind of why I decided to um, kind of reinterpret my sort of feelings about anarchism. Cause in, in at the end of the day, um, what happened was for me, when I, this is a little backstory on me, I, when I was younger, um, and I, I went to theater school, which in a liberal arts college. So the, uh, the indoctrination is pretty, well, it was pretty thick, uh, in, on me, uh, growing up in sort of this sort of fine arts, you know, hippy dippy arts culture, let's get in touch with everyone's emotions and not have a rational argument. Um, and I used to have a copy of the communist manifesto by my bedside. It was almost uh, like my own little personal Bible growing up. (laughs) Worst porn ever. Actually, there is that bit about, uh, capitalists being able to bang the wives of their workers, which was never true anyway, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, so so th- I had many ideas about sort of the 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 uh, you know the dictatorship of the proletariat. Sort of a, a big, it's a big factor involved in that kind of train of thought. And so when I found out that there was another train of thought called anarcho-communism, or as it's referred to, and a lot of these black and red anarchists don't like to use the uh, the term communist when being associated, so they use the term syndicalist. And from what I can tell, it's the same thing. But yeah, you know, then there's you, probably you end up in uh, in a Monty Python movie, right? We're an anarcho-syndicalist commune. We take turns to act as sort of ratifying officer for the. Blah, blah. Anyway, it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it, it's really funny because I actually did that. Uh, I'm an actor, um, and um, I actually uh, I actually did that scene. Uh, <laughs> Those guys, those guys, you know, sorry to interrupt. Those guys were actually pretty good actors. This is something that's underrated with Monty Python. I mean, nihilistic writing, some, occasionally brilliant, sometimes frustrating. I like traffic lights. Yeah, that's comic genius, guys. But um, when they were good, they were very good. And their acting abilities and their commitment to uh, embodying things. Uh, it's Michael Palin when he was playing the... Uh, Spare a shekel for an old ex-leper in Life of Brian. I mean, he really inhabited that role. And if you see... Um, a Fish Called Wanda. I never saw the sequel. I heard it sucked. But John Cleese is actually quite um, powerful uh, in that role. So this is one of the things, like the acting talent of the Monty Python gang, uh, I think was considerably understated. Uh, even the lead for the life of Brian Guy, what, did he drink himself to death pretty quickly? I can't remember. But, yeah. Uh, oh, that, that's actually really funny about the, 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 the life of Brian Guy. I can't remember his name at the top of my head either. Um, but uh, we did that. We did a tribute show back in my hometown. 
Um, it was a community arts project and I was playing and the guy who played the guy of life, Brian, uh, was also, he was fairly heavy drinker himself. <laughs> and I think that the last scene we did, I think, I know it's, we're going off on a little tangent here, but he, uh, he had to get himself on top of a pretty tall cross for one scene. And he was like community theater. I'll never work in community theater again because, oh my God, they just, they just drank through the whole production. Uh, and there was, it was very, uh, there wasn't a lot you of have perfect. to, cause you're in community theater. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, was I going to be a star and here I am. I was in Stratford. I, I don't even know if the first 18 rows of blue haired ladies can even hear my eloquence. Stop was that a, train. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. To, to be fair, it was also in, uh, I'm, I'm from Newfoundland actually. So that, 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 that's a, not an inaccurate statement. No, I went to, I had a, when I was in theater school, there was a, a guy, a pretty talented guy who was there from Newfoundland who did this fantastic imitation of somebody coming into a Newfoundland fish market and asking if there are any herring left and the fish grow, the grocer, uh, the fishmonger saying, no, we don't have any herring, but thank you so much for asking. Would you like to hear how it went? Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to reincarnate his reincarnation yeah, of an exchange it. regarding herring in Newfoundland. You ready? <clears throat> Here we go. Scene. Aaron, Naren. Done. I'm all done. That's it. That's <laughs> Aaron, Naren. <laughs> Do you have any herring? Uh, no, we don't have any herring. Uh, that's the whole thing. He was great at it. That's funny. Yeah, I kind of miss. I kind of miss it sometimes, actually, because uh, I'm not living there anymore. So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, some sometimes anytime I get it, or what you would refer to as the mainlanders uh, imitating Newfoundland, it's like, oh, please do it because I because I people are so surprised when they meet me. Like, you're not from Newfoundland, you don't sound anything like it. And I'm like, well, why are you sober? Because yes. I left. See, I had to leave because the air has tiny alcohol. Well, Newfoundland as well. For those who don't know, we'll get back to you. But Newfoundland is, I think, I think it was in Newfoundland. Um, you, 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 I don't know if this is still the law, but in the past, if you worked ten weeks of the um of the year you could get unemployment insurance for the other 42 weeks of the year and and that's partly because um uh seasonal and all this kind of crap right and uh, there was a lottery and and it was a, beer, a beer company ran this sort of competition where they said basically we'll pay for you know you'll 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 live free for a year and the way it worked is you'd come and work in their factory at some nonsense job for 10 weeks and then you could apply for unemployment insurance for the remaining 42 weeks. They called it Lotto 1042 because there's a Lotto 642 in Canada and so on. And I just thought, and then people got really upset because it became like a uh, a, um, a joke. Graham Chapman. Graham Chapman is the guy. Yeah, died of tonsil and spinal cancer. He was, he was a pretty short life, 1941 to 1989. And uh, yeah, he played the lead role in two Monty Python films, Holy Grail and Life of Brian. And yes, was quite... A um uh, a drinker and uh, was uh, it was it was tragic because he was a a fine fine comedian and um um and uh, yeah it was pretty pretty sad. I think I think growing up uh, for me and my father it was Monty Python and uh, Genesis. Um, that was kind of a bonding moment. We would watch Monty Python and then he'd show me his old Genesis records. Well, before how Falcon. old are we talking back to selling England by the pound or pre Abacab days? Or is it when Peter Gabriel was still? I mean, how old? Peter Gabriel. We're talking Peter Gabriel days. Right. Um, before he sold out with that bald <laughs> anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I saw I think I saw a meme the other day. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they're getting really off topic. Anarcho-communism to Genesis and Phil Collins. Why not? Um, but uh, he... Uh, 
there was a meme and it was a picture of uh, of Phil Collins with it had a picture of Phil Collins on a on a man and then a woman and it said prog music um, and then there's a, a hotter woman passing by that says pop music and Phil Collins is obviously checking out the pop music instead of paying attention to his true girlfriend in the prog uh, and I sent it to my dad he thought it was funny because I always I always bust his ball he loves he loves Phil Collins I always bust his balls about uh, Phil Collins selling it out. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, um, <clears throat> I actually think that Abacab, except for that Who Done It God awful song, <laughs> Abacab is actually the first song. It's actually cool. It's called Abacab uh, because yeah. that's the rhyming scheme A B A C A B. But uh, yeah, there's some really really great songs. Yeah, Lonely Man on the Corner and uh, Abacab and uh, some really great songs. Uh, but yeah, the idea that it was and I I'm not a huge fan of that really really early stuff like Peter Gabriel like. Um, and I, I liked, though I don't particularly listen to Peter, uh, sorry, to um, <clears throat> Phil Collins that much anymore. But when I was younger, I used to enjoy A Roof is Leaking and stuff like that. It is some really good songs and some kind of creepy songs like Mother um, um, and whatever, the, my glass up next to the wall and stuff like that. But um, yeah, Home by the Sea is a really, I really, really like that song. And it's one of the few songs that I can actually kind of belt along with <clears throat> with my own voice. So um but yeah, he's it's been forever since he did anything. Um, I think he, he got hearing problems, as usually is the case with drummers and stuff like that. And I think after his 400th marriage, he kind of gave up on on that sort of stuff. Uh, and I think he's been working on a autobiography, as far as I know. I haven't I haven't checked into that. I'm I, I, again, I'm a little bit more post Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel. Although Lamb Lies Down on Broadway is probably me and one of my me and my dad's favorite albums. Um, but uh, but yeah, I haven't. I know Peter Gabriel is just continuously, continuously doing stuff. I mean, he's like what approaching? I think he is seventy now, and he's still touring is every few years. I think he's approaching seventy, and really? I think he's still yeah. He's I touring think with he Sting went, at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he just he just continuously pumps out work. It's insane. I, I remember watching him. I think he was sixty at the time, but his growing up tour. Um, he oh, was, that's a great uh, song. Oh, it's Looking so for good. a place he, to live, growing up. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Nineteen fifty. He he, yeah, he's uh, sixty-seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he uh, he uh, was going around on the stage, and it was a circular stage surrounded by friggin' thousands of people. Um, and he was in a hamster ball. Oh yeah, he, yeah, like, yeah. I've rolling, seen that. And it, it was like a sixty-nine. I was like, how the heck at that age? And he's still singing along at the same time. So I thought it was just like, holy crap, that's amazing. If I had that kind of energy at that age, I'd be like, all right, I'm pretty set on that regard. But um, he's always struck me as, I mean, a, a, a very sad human being. Yeah, if you read his, uh, if you read some of his autobiographies, he hasn't had an easy life, to say the least. I now, think, what um, happened with him? Do you know? Like when he was young, because this, um, he, he's, he's very charismatic and very creative like the sledgehammer video my daughter loved that when she was younger oh, and um, yeah. it's very creative and i mean the amount of patience he had to go through to produce that video is ridiculous mm. but what is it that has made him so sad why i mean it's like uh my uh, rhythm of the heat i mean it's a great song but i mean it's a primal howl of of misery as is so many of his uh, songs yeah, I think it it has a lot to do, and my dad would know more about this, but he had a weird relationship with his daughter um, for a few years. I think they didn't talk. I, I don't know the exact, but they didn't talk for a long, long time. Why was she was she was she into was she into Donald Trump? Oh, sorry, go on. We'll get oh, to we'll see. Oh, I'm I tying no, back to what we're going to talk about in a sec. Yeah, I know the good good transition, but uh, I don't know what. No, this was way before uh, Trump any or anything like that. 
Um, but I, yeah, they were they didn't talk for ten years, but then they got back together, or like they patched things up, and then they ended up being like she ended up. She's a musician as well, and she ended up like going on tour with him. That's how they patched it up. So I guess through music in a way, I guess it was. So I don't know what the actual like again my. Oh man, I could call my dad, but it's in Newfoundland. There, yeah, well, <laughs> there is come back yeah. on it, you know. And I just wanted to point out, and I sometimes will put this on repeat when I'm writing. Um, the Secret World Tour, in your eyes, with Paula Cole as the backup singer, is like chillingly great. And you can find it on um, uh, on YouTube. Um, it's a Secret World Tour. Um, in your eyes, um, Paula Cole is the backup singer who just is this wonderful um, you yodel warble at the beginning of the song. And I mean, it, I think she obviously became a solo album, a solo uh, artist of an, in her own right. But it's just beautiful. He he was a bit of an asshole about South Africa as, as a whole. Uh, and he has been a very um, uh, challenging for me philosophically, ideologically, but as a musician and, and as a press. And he's also one of these guys, too. I don't know if he was out of the public life for a while or I just didn't notice him. But I remember being down at the Rogers Center, uh, which is a big sort of concert area in in Toronto. And it was like Peter Gabriel coming soon. I'm like, wow, I'd really love to see that. And it was like, whoa, I guess I hadn't seen him in a while. And it's like, man, he aged like like fast because he's one of these guys who had hair and then like boom like the billy joel thing or like sting has managed to hang on to his hair for like ridiculous i don't know if he's had plugs or something but it's just ridiculous it's like that's hanging on like grim death it's the hair that can't be killed it's zombie hair um and um but but yeah he, he gained a lot of weight and i think he gained the weight because he was on antidepressants and that apparently works something with your system or whatever but yeah i lost hair gained a lot of weight and it really was a rather surprising transition uh that uh that happened and um uh, that's one of these it was one of these kind of um uh, time flash moments where you go, oh, I, I guess the heroes of my youth are getting older. And uh, that is uh, a real challenge. Sorry to cut you off, but it's it's very uh, it's kind of funny because when he was with Genesis, um, he used to have this long kind of like very rock star looking long flowy hair. But he would sh- he shaved the center part out. Uh, you can find you can find videos of this because when he was with Genesis, he was like, the, the stage shows you would produce some of the, the live stuff. And these are like 30 minute long instrumental, crazy, like progressive uh, rock music. Um, and he would shave his head in through the center part, but keep the flow on the yeah. side. He'd dress up like a woman and wear a fox mask. And then for, <laughs> for him later on in life to uh, kind of lose it on top is a little bit, is a little bit ironic. <laughs> it's like, maybe you shouldn't have shaved it <laughs> when you were younger. <laughs> no, I it's just just what happens. But um, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's he's uh, I haven't listened to his songs in a while, but I'm working on this new book, um, The Art of the Argument, and um, I'm sort of back to to really enjoying and and reminding myself just how many unbelievably fantastic songs he has written, and and what an oddly compelling voice he has. It's kind of like this high, kind of whiny, but very powerful in its upper registers. It's a very interesting, and and Phil Collins has that same kind of thing too. You know, like he sounds like kind of adenoidal, but uh, it's a very powerful voice, particularly his life. But um, they all, uh, you know, because you could say Mike Rutherford uh, had sort of the more more classical, useful voice, and so he's the guy who did uh, Living Years, if I remember rightly, and and sang with you know sort of typical pop voice. But uh, yeah, all just a bunch of fantastically talented guys. And Peter Gabriel, I mean. What astounding music he created. I mean, 
the music he did a, I think the only soundtrack he did well maybe he did more than one but the last temptation of christ i was actually just listening to that while walking in the woods during a snowstorm ah oh, amazing amazing uh, infusion of arabic music and uh, the most incredible arabic uh, singers uh, that that uh, he he got for that album if you can check it out it's i think it's also on youtube the uh, soundtrack he did for the last temptation of christ uh, just amazing amazing stuff and um uh, yeah a couple of yeah kiss the frog not not my favorite but anyway uh just amazing an amazing variety you know all the way from wallflower to rhythm of the heat to sledgehammer to uh um uh, salisbury hill and uh just uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, seriously. Music geek time shall return to the show as it occasionally does. And I, I <laughs> wobble on incessantly about the music that I, uh, I love. But um, let That'll us uh, get to what the hell's happening in your personal life, right? So yeah. your yeah. fandom of the Trump, the Trumpster is uh, is causing you some some challenges. So what's happening when you when what, what, how does it come up? Is it you bringing stuff up? Is it other people? How's it going? I'll I'll, I'll give an example. Um, I was at a uh, and it's not necessarily him. It's necessarily uh, just how I um, how the, the opinions I have that are related to him. I suppose, um, and it has a lot to do with even not even like Republican or conservative opinions, but just basic libertarian opinions. Um, I was in a club, one of these, I live in Vancouver, um, and, uh, some of the, the funner things to do in Vancouver is to go one of these, um, arts, like leisure arts clubs, um, that are like, they're not actually arts clubs, they're bars that, you know, kind of are not necessarily legal. Um, so I would, uh, I would, uh, I went to this one, one night and they had a, they had a, and, you know, I'm young and I'm not necessarily I'm trying to quit smoking at, at this moment in time. And uh, so I was they had a uh, they had a room where you could smoke in, indoors. So I spent most of the night in that. What, in Vancouver? Uh, yeah, in Vancouver. I, yeah. I thought you were legally allowed to be shot on sight if you were caught smoking in Vancouver. But I mean, I don't, unless it's I joints, don't. in which case, apparently. Uh, oh, no, no, I actually like I, one for you. But uh, all right, go on. <laughs> No, but no, actually, I don't actually never developed a taste, but I, uh, yeah, I developed, yeah, so I was in this room just, and I met some people, friends of a friend's, and uh, I was a little bit intoxicated, and I, like, uh, started oversharing, as I, I tend to do, um, with this. You, uh, you lowered with, inhibitions. Your inhibitions yes. were lowered. Were you a little drunk? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, and yeah, you was forgot drunk. where you were. And you, you, were, you were infused with optimism about the rationality and listenability of the human race. Yes. Yeah, right. I was. Um, so I was so I was with this girl who's fairly she's fairly attractive. And uh, she, we were just talking and she was I was talking to her about my life experience and trauma I've had in the past. Very just based stuff. I mean, I've, I think I've lived a fairly sheltered and and safe life, um, to be fair. Um, and then she started holding my hand and like being very, very like connected. And obviously, if someone's going to connect to you that way, you're going to want to continually, continually share. So I, I, I kept into it and I went into it. And uh, and uh, all of a sudden, she starts poking me for a political, like a political statement. Just like she wants to know what my political, my view on life and stuff like this. And uh, I was like, Are you sure about that? Are you sure? Even as, as intoxicated as I was at the time, I was still like, mm, maybe you maybe we'll wait a little before we get to this. 
And then she prayed, she pressed, and she's like, okay, uh, well, I don't, uh, I don't believe in, in free education. That's the statement I said. I just don't think that the government should uh, pay for my education. And she let go of my hand and got out, out of there faster than a hooker in church. Wow. And it was just, it was just so, it was so hypocritical because here was this huge emotional sympathy that she was giving me. And then all of a sudden, because I obviously disagreed, she was a little younger, I think, maybe 21. Um, she just went, gone out of there. And it was sort of a shock to me that uh, that, that would happen. That, that, oh, it's that supposed somebody, to be, right? It's, it's supposed yeah. to shock you out of having opinions that don't benefit a certain type of woman. Yeah, exactly. So you were saved. You were, sa- you were saved from a very risky situation, in my humble opinion. But sorry, go on. And, uh, and, and recently I've, I've run into, you know, I, I'm, I am 24 and single and, and kind of happy that it's that way currently. Um, but I am, I am seeing someone else and, and she is, I don't think wait, we wait. agree on you're it. single, but you're seeing someone like, I, I, I know my baby a little older than you, but I still can't quite parse that one out. <laughs> okay. It's, it's just like, I, I, I'm, we, we've gone on a few dates, but nothing has been okay. sedimented. I, I shouldn't say seeing, I should say, yeah, we've been on a few dates. Um, and, uh, and she, she's very, she has very opposing opinions to mine, but she's also, oh, she doesn't, she, nothing, nothing offends her. I could say pretty much anything I want and she'll just, we'll just talk it through. Uh, and she'll still be, she'll still want to go on a date with me the next day. And that's the kind of person that I think is g- good to build a relationship with, uh, instead of someone who's just going to, as soon as you say something that's breaks their eco chamber, they're going to just scurry off. So, the, so this is what I'm saying is how do I and, and it's also been recent because uh, and this is something that kind of frightened me. I saw like a hit list by Antifa and it listed uh, anarcho-capitalists on uh, on um, on uh, a list of uh, fake on fa- of fascists. And then Richard Spencer gets hit in the face and I'm like, I don't want to get hit in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like if you're going to if you're going to claim that anarcho-capitalists and voluntarists are, are fascists and then you're saying that it's okay to hit fascists i'm going to get hit in the face and yeah, I'm not, well, people you, i'm sorry but people don't understand that yeah. um being not on the left is yeah. uh, is is hazardous can be very hazardous for your health i mean richard spencer had his ear bum eardrum burst by that punch as far as i understand it i mean that would that could have harmed or even killed him um it's horrible horrible stuff and uh um it is it is risky uh it is risky i mean the number of people who commented to me uh, um over the election cycle is like yeah I, I can't put a i can't put a trump sticker on my car i can't wear a trump hat i mean i could get beaten up i could get chased i could get stuff thrown at me um it is it is grim times out there in america you know we just doing the show yeah milo has uh milo has posted um uh, I have been evacuated from the UC Berkeley campus after violent left-wing protesters tore down barricades, lit fires, threw rocks and Roman candles at the windows and breached the ground floor of the building. My team and I are safe, but the event has been cancelled. I'll let you know more when the facts become clear. One thing we do know for sure, the left is absolutely terrified of free, free speech and will do literally anything to shut it down. And that is um, Milo's uh, comment. It is um, it is medieval. It is It is hellish um out there yeah no and uh this is um this is well one of the legacies of reagan right i mean let's let's um 
legalize a whole bunch of uh, Hispanics and um, let's uh, see how that works out. Although uh, I'm sure that this is also a lot of people who aren't Hispanic at all, but are, of course, bust in by uh, some of the uh, more reactionary elements that are funding some of this stuff. But uh, it is, um, you know, people need to see the left for what it is. People need to see the left for what it is. But you're right. It is. um, We don't know how many people are making safety decisions and are unable to uh, to speak out, which is, you know, when when to me, when you get these marches of women all crying out about their oppression and so on, it's like, well, no one's setting you people on fire. Nobody's uh, setting, um, no, nobody's smashing you guys up. Nobody's throwing stuff at you. I mean, uh, uh, so, you know, when, when they have sympathy for people on the right who are being beaten up and smashed up and, and things being set fire to and being receiving death threats every day, when they have sympathy for what's going on for the people on the right, then I'll have a little bit more sympathy for what's going on with them. But um, right now, uh, it seems to be a very, very selective set of outrage. It's it's just, a. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't agree with Richard Spencer um, on most things, but I mean, I don't, like, if you, if you start That's not the people, point. No, it's not the point. You no, know, I mean, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter exactly. whether you agree with him or not. The man has a right to make his arguments. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but it's just like the the more you attack somebody or a side, the more they're going to want to puff up, and the more of us specifically are going to get a little bit more. Like, I don't want to get hit in the face, so maybe I should hit you first. Like. And I, I'm not condoning that, but that's you see, if if you if you punch someone on the opposite side in the face or you attack them violently, they will they will react. Oh, the right the right is going to attack back at, at some point. I mean, I hate to say it, and I sure wish it wasn't going to be the case, but this kind of escalation, the right is not going away, and the right is not going to back down. Those days are done. Those days were done. And people saw what happened over the last 50 years with the right trying to make compromises and trying to keep the peace. And the right is going to um, start hitting back and. Um, I know where my money would be. Yeah, uh, there's a woman here says my friend was giving an interview when some coward pepper sprayed her. There are tweets uh, from people who are they've been maced by uh, the leftists and they're hiding and trapped in bathrooms. Uh, and um, yeah, this is a full on intellectual terrorism. This is this is all of the violence that everybody knew was coming and the, the right tried to appease for decades and, and just made it worse. And if it wasn't this round, it would be the next round when it would be even worse. This is the kind of thing that, that needs to be dealt with and needs to be looked at for what it is right now, because it only gets worse from here unless uh, this is either de-escalated by the left or um, responded to by the right. But there's no other option at this point. This level of violence that, that people on the right are facing for peaceable assembly and the exchange of ideas. Um, we're also finding out who has any kind of moral backbone, who has any kind of interest in the greatest treasure uh, of the world and of the West in particular, which is free speech, which is free speech. The people who aren't willing to defend free speech are uh, betraying civilization and betraying everything that our ancestors fought to try and create and preserve. And we are descending into a new form of barbarism without a significant amount of pushback that's going to be necessary, I hope, peaceful, uh, as peaceful as humanly possible. But um, it is uh, uh, it is um, a, a brutal environment that has been left to fester uh, for entirely too long. And what might have been dealt with much more peacefully in the past it may not be as peaceful as we might wish uh, in the present. And uh, it is um, it is brutal what uh, what is being done at the moment.
it's scary um, seeing what was his name. I, I am actually a, a unionized actor. I know that's a little bit uh, being an anarcho-capitalist and also being. Yeah, you gotta live. You gotta live. Yeah, it's not the yeah, world you um, made. So I am part with. I am. I am unionized under Actra. Um, and I saw the SAG Actra uh, message from the guy. The guys who were doing the, the uh, was it? What's that show? I don't. I never watched it yet. The kids. Um, Stranger Things, and he did the exception speech, and he talked about how we will punch people in the face who we disagree with, and stuff yeah. like this. And everyone cheered. And everyone cheered. And I was just like, and I the media need... is not saying like, oh my god, boycott this show. This guy's talking about uh, you know political uh, attacks upon people exercising free speech. Nah, everyone's like, yeah, I can see that. It, it just scared me a little bit because I'm in that. I'm trying my best. I mean, the reason I'm in Vancouver is to try my. You know, I thought you know you, you were saying about uh, with uh, Darren earlier. You know, go big or go home. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just in Vancouver trying my my best to get in this industry uh, and do what I love doing. Um, it's been ups and downs, but then I sort of got in. You know, saw that video. I was like, these are the kind of people I have to. I mean, there's a lot of these a lot of people I know in this industry who are. Uh, who, who I think agree with that. And I'm like, this is a bit scary. Um, and this is where I'm kind of in this dualism where I believe very hardly on what I believe. I believe in voluntarism and I believe in um, free speech, but uh, to what point do I want that value um, to affect my career? Uh, I, I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Of course. No, you don't have to tell me about it. I mean, I went to the National Theater School and um, people seem to be polarized by my acting style. Some people think it's the greatest thing since Shakespeare and other things I'm overacting. Fine. But um, the reality is that um, I, I couldn't take the leftist environment in the arts. I just I, I couldn't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't tell you what to do. I mean, don't do things. Um, Mike Cernovich is saying that there are reports of Antifa threatening to rape female Trump supporters. Huh. Rape is a political weapon. Why does that seem familiar? Anyway, I'm sure it'll come to me at some point. But um, it is a difficult and can be a dangerous uh, situation. You know, if, if you're going to do anything public, uh, particularly where people know you're going to be and you're not on the left, um, you need to be aware of the danger. And, you know, if you get security or, you know, it's uh, it's something that needs you, you just need to be street smart and, and cautious and careful. Feral left uh, is um, uh, has been goaded into this kind of stuff and justified into this kind of stuff by the media who are uh, the real problem. Uh, if, if the media were, li- were leading the charge against the stuff and the media were standing out for the principle of free free speech uh, and peaceable assembly, uh, then uh, these guys wouldn't have anything uh, to you know, it's funny how the media, you know, oh, we don't want to, some guy was a serial killer. Well, we want to publish his name because it only gives him fame and so on. It's like, okay, how about you take this with these rioters, uh, with these people who are attacking people for wanting to exchange ideas in a peaceable venue. Um, but, uh, of course, the media um, secretly loves this stuff in many ways, I think. I mean, it gets them ratings, of course. But imagine, you know, if um, if what was happening to Milo's event right now, right now as we speak in uh, California, uh, imagine that uh, this was um, Black Lives Matter, and it was a bunch of white people smashing and and uh, setting things on fire and so on. Uh, the media would be going insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as as uh, I think it was Churchill who said, the fascists of the future will claim that they're anti-fascists, and uh, it is uh, absolutely um, absolutely brutal. And of course, the whole point of this is to prevent this kind of assembly in the future. It's 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 not so much to do with this right now, although that is terrifying and and, uh, and intrusive and violent enough. But it's just designed to send a message. It's designed, don't, uh, hey, if you like getting Milo at your campus, well, this is the kind of stuff you can expect. This is, of course, the attempt to shut down political dialogue and political discourse. And we either come together as a society and condemn this uh, enormously 
uh, and and that these people need the full effect of the law on them, um, or there's there's nothing left to defend. There's like literally okay, just let the let the thugs take over. Let 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 whoever has the biggest bat determine what the hell is going to happen in the society. We give up on reason. We give up on debate. We give up on discussion. We put away our words and we take out our swords because if that's how it's going to be. We might as well find out sooner rather than later, but I still have hope that it is not going to go that way. And I think at that point you will see true fascists. Like they're calling people fascists now, but oh yeah, they're they're trying to make fascists. Of course, they're itching for a fight. They're itching for a fight, and they're they're, they're trying to make the very fascists that they claim are there that aren't. And uh, when you get uh, enough uh, communists and and um, anarchists uh, in the sort of communist sense, you get enough of those people together. Yeah, you're going to start producing. Um, right ring squads and you're gonna of course because people can only be beaten up and humiliated and attacked and controlled and brutalized and silenced for so long and you get uh, you get blowback um this is of course one i mean given that i knew this was coming sooner or later uh it is better to have somebody like donald trump and jeff sessions and so on uh in these um uh, situations uh, because there is a way to prevent this through proactive action rather than waiting for it to escalate and then trying to stitch up the bodies that are broken. Yeah, thank you for the. the um, I, I might have swallowed a little blue pill when I uh, when I was uh, when I heard Jeff Sessions was uh, uh, being appointed and I kind of maybe fell for the the lie of the media and then you posted the video on him and I was like, oh okay, it's actually it's still all lies. Good. <laughs> Um, and this is, gets to my kind of my other point in the question. I propose that I've been sort of a little bit more attracted to uh, Americanism and sort of nationalism uh, in, in some ways, uh, reading, you know, brushing up on the Constitution a little bit and uh, trying to figure out what the founding fathers were actually trying to get at. Um, and, I, you know, it's, it's kind of correlation. My funny, my younger sister is uh, she's really she's really into that Hamlet musical. Um, which has like almost zero historical context. So as she's been talking about these characters, I've been informing her on like what the actual historical context of Hamilton was and him versus um, Washington on on uh, increased you know bigger governments and stuff like this, um, and kind of interpreting that uh, the the original the original founding fathers wanted a fairly minimal government. They wanted almost a minarchist state uh, in many ways. Uh, you know, run, you know, by the people. They believed in free markets. They believed in, you know, the right to bear arms and stuff like this. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. It is a, um, I don't, I, I, my, my guess would be that it's going to be very difficult for you to fit into an existing structure uh, within the Canadian art scene, which is very lefty. I mean, it, it makes uh, Justin Trudeau look like, Donald Trump, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 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 really challenging and very very lefty. Um, I I couldn't find a way to to make it work, so I created a a new thing uh, to 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 get out what I thought was uh, was important. So I would say that um, if if you can work your creative bellows to the maximum and see if you can come up with something great and new, uh, there could be some possibility for that. But um, uh, keep an eye on the art scene in the United States, which I think is going to go through a significant revolution over the next couple of years. Um, people on the right are going to be very 
emboldened and empowered by what's happening politically. And we may see a shift away from this virulent leftism in the art world, particularly as the major studios collapse and as NPR and PBS uh, lose their funding, if that's what goes down. Um, a, a lot of, of transition points are opening up for artists who have something more important to say other than exploitation, bad whitey and blah, 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 blah. Right. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on that. And uh, you can, uh, I think, uh, maybe mine some some new uh, possibilities that weren't there in the past. Yeah, and I, I think I got some really bad advice or bad good advice, I guess you could call it, from a friend of mine. Um, and he was like, uh, it, it, it comes from that kind of go big or go home kind of uh, attitude where he was like, Adam, just just get a bunch of credit and like just screw it go to go to la go 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 to the states just do it just just pull it all through screw your credit you need to screw your credit before you're 30. <laughs> and i was like okay that's not exactly sound advice but i understand what you're saying is if i'm going to do this i might as well just go for you know go for gold uh and that's kind of where i am right now i'm kind of thinking you know what you know if i save up a little bit more money and i get things on the go i, I currently do background in uh, in the film industry and it pays all right um, and, uh, you know, if I keep going and, and no, maybe make, something, I may be able to- make something, listen, it, it, being a great actor is like being a great singer. You need someone like this is someone I know from the music industry who I respect, who said, you know, great singers are a dime a dozen, but get someone who can write a catchy song. That's rare. Um, so I, my, my position is if you want to be in the art world. Uh, and you have any particular values of your own that aren't just like photocopied leftist nonsense, then you need to be a creator. You can't just be an echo chamber. You can't let other people put words in your mouth because th you may get a great role and the writer might ask you to, or basically compel you in a sense, to say things that you really, really disagree with. Like uh, a series of unfortunate events uh, is a show that's on Netflix at the moment. Uh, I watched, uh, dipped in a little bit here and there. And, um, you know, I, I got to one and, and someone, the, the villain was like, well, I, I support a school voucher program. And it's like, well, it's got nothing to do with the plot, but it's a way of programming people, particularly when they're young, right? It's a way of programming people so that they associate nasty people with school vouchers, right? And then there was another one about socialized healthcare, like they just slip these little things in, big budgets, and they just whoosh, little shiv in, you know, like this little, it's like the, um, the mosquito wants to draw blood from you without you noticing, so it dissolves part of your skin with its proboscis and its saliva or whatever the hell it does and then you get the itch later and um that's tough you know if you, if you get to uh, you have to say that line maybe it goes again maybe you offer school choice maybe you offer school voucher programs maybe you're not a big fan of socialized medicine i know you're not but maybe you're going to get a job where you have to say that and it's going to be slipped in there into the consciousness of children and, and program them right this is not fair this is not fair this is not an argument to just have a bad person be a big fan of school vouchers. It's got nothing to do with the story, nothing to do with the plot. Uh, it is just a way of uh, programming the children to associate school vouchers with a negative experience or a negative character. In the same way, you know, the factory is full of people who they get paid in gum and coupons and, you know, evil people are controlling them. And there's a boss who does absolutely nothing but exploit the workers. And it's all this Marxist bullshit that they just don't know how to do anything different anymore it seems um and this reality of of what passes for art in the world these days which is all just a bunch of communist programming for for the large part if you're not creating stuff you're going to be owned 
by other people. You're going to be controlled by other people. You're going to turn into the mouthpiece for other people. And the better you are at your art, the better you will be at programming people into leftist uh, cliches. And I think you need to sit down and say, okay, well, if I want to be an artist and I don't agree with the values in significant portions of the art community, I better start creating stuff. I better start writing screenplays or songs or movies or anything. Uh, Coming up with a one-man show, coming up with something that's surprising, that's going to be uh, challenging for people, that's going to shake them out of some of their complacency, not another Hamilton, right? And so this, to me, is where you would need to go if I would sort of give you that quasi-fatherly advice. I would say... um, you know, a little less trying to pick up lefty chicks and a little bit more sit down and grind your pen to a fine point coming up with something fantastic that is going to be so great that people will swallow the politics uh, just to get a hold of the quality. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to close off the um, the call, but I really, really appreciate uh, you calling in and I wish you the very best of luck. And, you know, these kinds of challenges can really provoke you into excellence as an artist. So don't uh, give up. Just view it as something that's... <laughs> builds character it's something else out of the the tv show but oh the the netflix show but um you may look back and say that being backed into this corner gives you a way out that may make you far greater than you ever would have been only for me you know my original goal you know be an artist be an entrepreneur be a writer or whatever um yeah i did those things uh mostly the entrepreneur was where i gained my real traction but it all led me to what i'm doing now uh and so these culture wars what i'm best at and what give me the most satisfaction and pleasure. And so um, don't view it as being cornered. View it as um, being liberated to be your very greatest self. So thanks very much, everyone, so much for listening, for calling in, for supporting the show. Please, please, please go to freedomainradio.com slash donate to help keep this wonderful work going and growing freedomainradio.com slash donate. And also you can follow us uh, or follow me on Twitter at Stefan Molyneux. And you can use the affiliate link if you've got some shopping to do at fdrurl.com slash Amazon. And uh, I'm done with Starbucks. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon.